morning, class. Welcome to Art Eater Podcast number eighty-six. Uh, it's it's been been a little while since we got together. Um, so, yeah, this is this is a this one's been a long time coming. I'm real happy to get back together with the fellows here. And uh, today uh, we're going to be talking about uh, Gamescom and DevCom. Uh, you know. Uh, I, I was able to attend Gamescom uh, a couple weeks ago, um, but more than that, this is really just the the Art Eater uh, catch up session. You know, we're we're, we're going to be catching up, just talking about what we've been up to uh, for last last uh, last month or so since we recorded the last one. So um, yeah, let's just get right to it. Uh, but before we even touch the Gamescom stuff, just like how are you guys doing? <laughs> how how is everyone doing? Well, AJ, I know you. <laughs> <laughs> Let's start with AJ because I know you, you you've had a lot of exciting stuff happen. Oh my God! So hey everybody, what's good? Um, yeah, just to give the sort of I guess brief update synopsis update. I've been incredibly busy. <laughs> I've basically been on this content creation course with this charity called Mama Youth, and also the sort of I guess like media production arm of said charity called Licklemore Productions. And I have met some of the most amazing people in my entire life. I've basically been working on numerous different projects and products with respect to trying to make different bits of content created media. So I, in essence, have been acting as both an item producer, an editor, a runner. I've been doing lots of basically uh, lots of production work in a in just a media space, I suppose. So moving kind of like away from games specifically, but also funnily enough, making a piece about them. So um, yeah, over the course of the past, I guess, two months now, uh, two months feels like two years, honestly, when you really just get sort of a very hard, um, lots of hard work and stuff going on. But anyway, yeah, um, I've basically been working on one idea for that long period of time. Uh, it's basically called From Arcade to Barcade, Old Market, New Tricks. And it speaks about games as societal I guess, drivers. The main sort of like reason that I wanted to make this was I've been seeing a lot of arcades and barcades opening up in my city, Manchester, and uh, NQ64 especially has just been a huge, huge, huge franchise with respect to just the growth of, I guess, that specific area. They've got like a lot of different places all over from like Scotland and the north of England, south of England, just practically everywhere. I happen to know one of the managers that works at one of those places. So yeah, we basically shot in there. We got working on this short documentary idea. We got to do lots of filming. We got to do lots of interviews with my friend, Harry Lee, one of the managers and a few other people just about again, like why are games important to their lives? Why are arcade spaces so sacred? But also at the same time, why have they been so much, you know, fun for different people? What drives them towards, you know, experiencing new things at arcades? What, what do arcade spaces do specifically to bring new people in, as well as case to folks who've been there before? All of those different things. And, you know, just really speaking about, I guess, the growth of, like, games in this very specific area, as well as outside of it, too. And I think that, honestly, um, I've just learned so much. I've been learning about, you know, like editing in, like, Final... Uh, not, not Final Pro, sorry. I've been editing in um, Premiere Pro. I've been doing lots of writing. I've been doing some interviewing. I've been doing lots of scheduling and corralling of people, which has been interesting. I've been waking up before 7 a.m. every day, which has been, like, a whole new, like, thing. Because <laughs> I was doing a whole different deal. So I was doing something more so for me, and it was my kind of schedule. But now that I've sort of switched up a little bit, we're working, we're working them corporate hours, boy. And, you know, listen, people be doing things early. But, you know, I work my way in there. But, like, I've been honestly, I've been, I've been having a really good time. I've been in touch with people at numerous different areas of, you know, 
the BBC corporate ladder. I was able to, and also luckily enough, I was able to actually pitch my document, like my documentary idea to two executives at ITV. So that's really cool. I can actually like say that now. That's awesome. And yeah, they picked it up. They greenlit it. That was really cool. I got the opportunity to, you know, actively pitch to those two, those two professionals who've seen pitches from, you know, literally everyone everywhere all across the world. And honestly, like to be able to hear that, they were impressed with what I put together, especially in such a short period of time. Felt great. So um, honestly, like I've been working with a great team of others as well. Just like I have like a really cool assistant producer, Leona Gasper, social media content creator, Adam Millership, uh, production coordinator, Harrison Whittle. Just absolutely amazing work done by so many different people as well. Danielle is a senior AP, just like absolutely amazing. Always on the ball, always killing it, working super hard. Just like, so, so many people who've made all of this come to fruition. And I've also been, I guess, an agent of, you know, change with respect to other people's ideas too. There's a whole sort of wider cohort of other people who we've been working with. And just like, again, really awesome people like Hannah Moulding, John McKenda, like they'll hear this in the podcast. I'm going to shove it off to them anyway, but like, it's just a million and one people like Alexi and Puglisi, Dylan Gohill, like these are names who you will eventually end up hearing about in the UK media scene. And I just, I just really want to just hype and shout them all out just right now, just because honestly, like I feel as if we're on this really cool tipping point with young people's access to media and our ability to create things and share them. And I just, I'm, I'm incredibly excited with respect to how it is. And not just my own piece is gone, but everybody's. And I'm just, uh, I'm very excited. So just to do, just to do the, the final little plug, check out uh, ITV Digital on October 31st for my piece uh, from arcade to barcade, old market, new tricks, looking into why it is that those spaces have become so popular. So that's what I've been doing. I've been working like a, I've been I've been working like like a person who's very passionate about what it is that they do because I am, and I think that that work will show and the fruition of it will all come together. So yeah, I'm just uh, hit sat here back on the podcast now, but uh, yeah, I've been very very busy, and I'm sorry that I've been away yeah oh no dude, that that is exciting yeah. wow i mean wh- yeah, when when did you first like start you know it, it, you said you this was kicked off by like enrolling in a course or like, in essence what, yeah so um what was the first base- step Cool. That's a really good question. So um, in essence, I guess the first step of doing this was applying. Um, So I had to write like a very large, (laughs) a very large document about like my life, what it is that I do currently, what, what I've been interested in, but also kind of like, why would I want to get into another area of media? And honestly, like, that was a very easy question for me to answer because like, you know, I'm on this podcast. I care not just about games, but anime, art, music, media, and more through the eyes of like industry guests and all that stuff. But like, I, I really do like have a big, big passion for just like people who create things and also making things myself. So I've just really wanted to learn more just through a different area. I wanted to be in a production studio. I wanted to work with and for a production company. I'd want to see what it would be like to get behind a camera, you know, just shoot people, like interview them, like see what it would be like to actively, you know, get involved in media through a different lens, funnily enough, as the pun goes. But yeah, like it was really, really cool. And I was just able to be lucky enough to get um i guess accepted onto it and then yeah i was just in there in this production studio space and we were just working hard real hard real hard we're working from like eight to like literally like six a just going all the way through going in every day and just like making sure that everyone's ideas could you know be uh be properly uh planted watered and uh you know fed so they could grow up into beautiful videos and i think that they have so it's been cool yeah man i mean to go from 
just that 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 pivot to like pitching successfully pitching a, a documentary that's awesome dude that yeah is... man like it was really it was really really cool shout out to i gotta say shout out to sam short as well for being so um over over uh, itv for being so i guess just receptive because honestly like it was really interesting being sat in that room so um i guess i'll just sort of like break down a bit of like the structure of like the i guess it was kind of like a class, but it kind of wasn't. Okay, I'll, I'll explain. Basically, we have like production managers at like the top of our, I guess, like learning cohort. So we had like four people. And then underneath those, we had like production coordinators, one of whom, which I worked with again, was Harrison Will. Excellent dude, great at what it is that he does. But there are a few others there. And then beneath them, or working with them, I should say, we had like a group um, each. We had one of them to a group, sorry. So there were about 24 of us, and we got split up into groups of like, um, into four sorry into six groups and uh yeah we basically had like very very short amount of time to put something very large together so it was myself um i was initially i initially had two ap's a social media producer and one senior ap but one of our other ap's had to leave so it was just like a few of a few of us it wasn't like the full maximum number but um yeah we basically were just spending time working on our own concepts initially for like the first two weeks and then we would end up like sort of like pitching our own items as they're called uh to i guess the production managers and then they would pick six of them out of the 24 and then after that we would just basically get to you know just work on the facilitation and creation of those items basically so mine was um from arcade to barcade like old market new tricks again speaking about why it is that like these spaces have become so popular speaking about what these spaces mean to people what they've meant through history and time what they've meant through the eyes of people that work there through the eyes of some of the people that play all these different things and what that means to people so that's been really cool and other people have done lots of different really interesting topics like my friend um quincy quincy blake shout out to him massively um he's somebody who i guess had to well as his item was named roll with it he's really had to roll with it he went through like a lot of very interesting periods of time with respect to the facilitation of its creation. Trying to get this thing made for him was very, very tough because we had a bit of um, just some production hiccup, so to speak. But honestly, like he rolled with the punches very, very well and was absolutely a star in, in terms of just leading his team. And he's an amazing team of people. And like that was one of the coolest things for me, just also getting to work with others in their groups, helping people out if they need to. I've learned to like edit videos now i've learned to do so many more different bits and pieces i've learned how to properly set up mics i've learned how to do little bits of like lighting setups with three-point lighting i've had my hands on some gimbals i've been doing lots of phone recording i've been setting up you know interview questions properly i've been speaking to industry guests over there on that side so like just you know executive production managers of like sister like simon maloney or like just other people like that you know i've just been I've, I've been walking around, you know, I've been doing a little bit. So it, it's been a very busy time. I feel like I've lived kind of like two lives, honestly, but it's been really fun. I, I've, I've had a really nice time and I've had a lot of just awesome memories with everybody. I want to say shout out to people like Rueda, Amina, Sonia, like our, like there's so many amazing people who I'm going to gush about more so later, but like sort of wrap this up, I suppose. I've just done a lot of, a lot of learning from people and a lot of learning from, I guess, professionals in an avenue that I initially didn't really think that I'd be getting into, but have loved every second of since. So yeah, like I've just been having a really good time. And honestly, I feel like I can kind of do anything now because I mean, some of the ways that like, I'm sure, well, we'll talk about some more Richmond in a bit, but like um, some of the things that like I've kind of had to do at short notice have kind of made happen, but like just the ways in which that like they've been able to occur 
thanks to people obviously like yourself and the, and your team and everyone else. But yeah, like it's just been a bit of a roller coaster in a positive way. And I just feel like I've really sort of been able to sort of surf that wave in a way that's been positive and beneficial for myself and my own growth and development. So yeah, just uh, I've been very creative. I've been eating lots of art whilst not on this podcast, but I can't wait to sort of, uh, you know, speak about what it is I've learned and continue to do so throughout the future. Yeah. So we'll see what, we'll see how it goes. Oh man, that's, 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 that's great to hear. And I mean, I, yeah, the, the topic of your, your, your documentary too, of course, very dear to my heart i mean we could spend the whole podcast on that but um i know yeah, when 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 does the documentary actually air like when when can people okay, how yeah. can people watch it like how can we watch it okay absolutely so yeah the doc drops um it drops online at itv digital on october 31st i'll be blasting all on the okay. on the social channels of like this podcast as well and i think I, I do believe that they'll be releasing it like on tv too but like yeah i'm pretty sure that like the main sort of push for it is online because they've been trying okay. to work on this big sort of transition to like online content, but like genuinely, this has been like ah, it's been it's been such an interesting like ride and journey. It's been so it's it's been so full. Like every day, genuinely feels like five days combined. Like I've had to do so many yeah. things, and I just can't wait to sort of see, I guess, the fruits of all that labor come to fruition. It's gonna be cool. Yeah, that that, that good kind of busy, right? Uh, absolutely 100 yeah. percent. like i've got um a few different bits and pieces of like video work as well which will also be released like i have in front of me actually if i can just like open them up properly but like there are different bits and pieces of like a uh, behind the scenes footage like a trailer that's due to be released like a variety of different things honestly it's gonna be really cool for example like on the 24th of october this year that's when our trailer is due to come out we're going to have an interview with myself that will also be released on the 24th of October. Um, we're going to be releasing within that week a lot of reels and YouTube shorts, which will also be coming out on the 31st of October. There'll be some extra content as well from after the sort of release, which will come out on the 2nd of November, with also more behind the scenes coming out on the 2nd of November too. But yeah, like honestly, we're going to be doing a lot of releasing, even re-releasing into next year on like July 8th, on the tw uh, July 8th, 2024. We've been doing a lot of different bits and pieces but to be honest it's going to be a very very interesting thing when this all is out and seeing how people react to it i've told some people about it and like honestly everyone's been super positive even if people genuinely like i've had some extras on my shoot for example i can talk about this now because it's done but um I had extras on my shoot that I was, you know, producing and I was kind of like acting like a, I was kind of producing and like sort of half directing in a way, just like I was basically doing like so many different things at once, but it was so cool to hear at the end of that shooting process that like people actively like really enjoyed the sort of, I guess, scenery and the vibe and the atmosphere that I was trying to create because I very much cared about you know, having people be comfortable on set and having people, you know, be able to socialize and take the breaks that they needed and also not feel like they had to be directed to be recorded. So I wasn't like, okay, smile now. It was more so just like, just be yourself, just have fun, enjoy yourself. And I got a ton of Instagram DMs from like people who I'd literally met on that day as extras who are like now kind of just like my friends, which is like cool. So like, that's been fun too. Yeah. And like, yeah, I got to meet a whole bunch of other you know, people who came through for my shoot, like just old uni friends, old childhood friends, friends of friends of friends, you know, it was really nice. We had about 20, 23 people pulling up. And honestly, I was just super grateful for even that. So again, 
if you were an extra on my shoot listening to this massive thank you to you my shoot couldn't have gone as well as it did without you and i'm super grateful but yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna throw the the proverbial podcast football over to someone else i've been talking for a minute as always but like overall i've just been busy man i've just been doing stuff shooting stuff editing stuff learning new media skills and pitching to executives who like me now but yeah it's, it's cool it's all it's all good <laughs> we're just uh, we're rolling with it yeah super cool damn this guy Honestly, I'm yeah. I'm just trying to be like you, Thomas. I'm just trying to be like you, you know. What? I'm trying to interview people like you do. That's what I'm, that's what I'm trying to do. <laughs> Don't try to I'm be tr- like me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to get like you. I'm trying to get like Richmond. I'm trying to get like Sean. Listen, I'm I'm trying to yeah. evolve. This is the year of rebirth. Yeah. You feel me? I'm trying to I'm trying to grow up a little bit. But- yeah. I think the, the the you know the the year of rebirth is actually very very nice. Like I, I'm like I think we have like uh, how old are you already, uh, AJ? Twenty seven or something I, like that. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm 27. I turned 27 on July, so yeah, yeah I'm 27 now. I'm yeah, I'm, uh, I'm I'm 37, so we are 10 years apart. But this year is a bit same for me, you know, like uh, trying to do new things and find new things and uh, like getting getting stuff done, getting busy on some things. But at the same time, I'm extremely lazy recently, and I own, I'm only working on a single project. <laughs> So I'm like, I'm, I'm happy to see you. Like at least one of us is doing a lot of things. <laughs> that's, so, trying, that's, trying, that's funny because I've 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 worked in on a on a film set once. I've never told this story before, but uh, I've I've written I've uh, worked on a on a, on a short movie uh, set. Ah. I was doing all the. Um, all the how do you call the people who are like running everywhere trying to find everything doing the catering yeah, that's, that's, and, a, that's uh, a runner role yeah they're called runners. yeah yeah yeah, yeah i was i was a, i was a, i was a runner it was the most i think it was some of the most exhausting days of my life ever oh, <laughs> and, hell yeah. Uh, yeah that that like you said you start before seven then you finish it's midnight you're like you. what the hell it is no and so joke. The, um, Listen, if you want to be a runner yeah, get your feet ready i'm telling you <laughs> yeah runner runner is like the the most crucial some of the most crucial job and at the same time the most unthankful job ever because every like i had i worked for for with a guy who told me how oh, man i was with a on a clip a movie a clip um uh, filmings one day and there was this uh at the time very local uh local famous rapper uh musician and stuff and the guy was like yeah i called the runner uh i need him to find me chocolate with uh, this percentage of chocolate inside and it was 3 a.m and they had to go, you know, and it was this kind of madness. So I was like, what the hell? You're doing this for a living? My gosh. <laughs> like, we should be like, playing games. We shouldn't be running for chocolate. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, my lord. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm curious, so what, what percentage was it? Do you remember? I don't remember, sorry. But it was like something like, you know, the not like the 99%, but not, not okay. too sugary too, like very specific stuff. But yeah, it was um, <laughs> very, very special. And uh, I remember it was so strange we we did we 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 put the set it was a boxing film or something like that and also there was a a, a scene in a morgue 
you know when you put uh, dead people you store dead people mm -hmm. i don't know uh -huh. the, uh -huh. it's a yeah, morgue? Yeah, morgue okay okay yeah, the morgue, the and, yeah. and and we and the feminine set was the ancient gold foundries of paris like the actual building where they they were melting gold or stuff like that in paris for 100 years wow. but the building was uh, abandoned and i remember they said to us yeah we, there's a good like tiling on the floor and on the walls so we're going to do the morgue stuff here and i'm like yeah but have you seen the room they're like no and i said do you know it was a factory here like it's dirty here and i remember i had to like clean for almost half a day uh, just the walls and the ground because <laughs> that, oh no wow. that was it would have been oh. the most dirtiest dirty morgue ever you know <laughs> if i didn't oh do God. that and it was Maybe always this morgue. kind of thing because very small budget short movie stuff like that so uh yeah that's uh that was my experience also doing uh doing some uh decoration stuff to help the decorators doing the grabbing the the food uh running into paris to find you know oh. pieces for the for the set and stuff it was a very um um eye-opening experience but i'm glad i didn't Absolutely. do that for a living later Oof. it was too uh, too hard thomas you and i you, you and i have just gone much much closer like running around like this i i know exactly how you feel like, yeah. that's crazy <laughs> it's it's a bit the same I, well i didn't stop completely because after that i started running around running fighting games tournaments which is basically the same but with more players and less cameras <laughs> there's there, there is a runner role for, for everybody like literally yeah. like oh my god that's absolutely mad mm -hmm. <laughs> like richmond you've been running in the alleys of uh, of germany of gamescom in the past uh, uh last week i think or the I know, week yeah, before, been everywhere. oh yeah it's yeah. it's been um <clears throat> two two weeks now Uh, well, really, three weeks since I got there, and then uh, I was there for a week. Yeah, so. Oh man, um, was it uh, your first yes. time in Gamescom? It, it, it was. It was. Oh. Um, <clears throat> yeah. So, um, well, first I actually went to DevCom first, uh, just so for for the listeners, in case you didn't know, um, th th there's there's actually two events that go on that week. Um, so DevCom is the developer-facing one. It's, it's very uh, industry-focused, um, and it's like a lot of talks, a lot of really good like workshops. Um, it's all industry people and students because they give like a really good student discount. So that that was actually really nice. That's a really cool thing uh, for for um, the students to be able to also attend all these talks. And um, it, it was fun being around really like lively. Uh, people, you know, who who were full of passion, uh, the the industry hadn't sucked the life out of them yet. <laughs> um, so that was that was super cool. And uh, DevCom was great. Attended a lot of talks. Um, yeah, uh, really good talks. You know, like I, I went to a talk from uh, Al Yang. He's the the director of Silent Hill F. Like that that was super cool. Kenji Matsubara, CEO, new CEO of SNK, was there. I uh, got oh. to talk to him. James Portnow, creator of Extra Credits, gave a talk, and he was really—it was a really good talk. Like I, I enjoy his videos, but man, when when he has like an hour, and it's like an interactive hour to talk to him, like the, the dude's like super insightful. Uh, lo lots of really good talks, um, uh, and then um, so that was like the first two days, 
and uh I, I, there was like business matching and stuff i i, I was mostly there for the b2b stuff so i I, <laughs> I don't have like juicy reporting on like all the major titles from this i was really there just to do business uh, but uh, devcom started uh so monday tuesday was devcom and then gamescom was uh wednesday thursday friday saturday and that that was crazy man that was crazy. So, so, oh, you I did tell you. me. You did, and I did not really comprehend the enormity of it until yeah. I was there. Because, okay, folks, so Gamescom is officially the biggest, they say it's the biggest game event in the world now. I, I, I think it's roughly tied with China Joy, actually. Um, I, I don't know which one's bigger, but to give you an idea of the scale, they sold 450 thousand tickets <laughs> that's like almost half a million people uh, eventually passed through there um meaning there were hundreds of thousands of people there at a time like yeah. so that was um i heard from the locals uh that was the biggest co convention ever in germany not just for games but just ever the amount of people there was ridiculous and uh, this was in uh, Cologne. It was at this massive convention center. The, the The whole center was probably like over a kilometer long itself. Mm -mm. It was huge. There were like nine different like giant rooms. Like Yes, I see exactly like, what you mean. <laughs> each one of them was big enough to be its own convention, but there were nine of them. And oh my God, if you had business meetings, like sometimes you had to like sprint <laughs> like yeah across the you were like running like a kilometer to like get to the next one it was nuts and um so the event itself physically just the physical space was huge and the the amount of companies there was ridiculous it was probably over like ah it was like hundreds of companies and then the amount of people was ridiculous i've never like I, i've been to tokyo game show like pre-covid and that was huge I've been to like GDC, you know, that's, that's, that's pretty big. Been to like smaller stuff, like, like Nordic game, which is awesome. It's actually the perfect size. It's only like 2000 people. You get to know everyone. It's amazing. Um, but nothing prepared me for Gamescom. That was just <laughs> ridiculous. I could not believe it. I, you know, yeah. you think it, like, it's... Oh, you know, I'm, I'm from America. Everything's bigger in America. And I was like, Oh my God, like this was, <laughs> This dwarfed every other event I've ever been to. Like, yeah, not even it's, close. It's yeah. like one of those things. It's like, um, you know how like a, a like you you feel like oh I've seen a stadium of people, which is like typically like thirty to fifty thousand people. You're like, and that's a lot. You're, you're like, I, you're, yeah, like right? you're like I think I know how big events get. And yeah, you're right. Like Gamescom is always like an, an entirely new level. You know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I was always Sean. You've been. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. I used to um, work with the team oh, uh, in uh, with Blizzard. Blizzard right? Yeah. Um, the team out of Versailles used to do Gamescom stuff, so yeah. We have actually done some uh, augmented reality things. Oh, nice. At, at Blizzard, yeah, or at, at Gamescom at the booth and stuff. You, it's a you, you said it was, you, you said for, for Blizzard back in the day, it was like a mini BlizzCon, right? It, yeah, it was like considered the the European BlizzCon for us. Like it was, I mean, obviously okay, BlizzCon, so like I mean, I, I guess to be real, like obviously BlizzCon was bigger because it's for the company. But mm -hmm. in terms of uh, media and events and stuff, it was like one of the major, it was basically the other major event um, that we paid attention to. Besides yeah.
Okay. And like, yeah, I guess a little, a, little bit of PAX, a little bit of PAX and stuff like that. But uh, Gamescom was like, basically, if we were going to announce a game, it was probably going to happen at BlizzCon or Gamescom. Yeah. Yeah, Gamescom is, Gamescom is huge. Like, people cannot, comp- you cannot comprehend the size of this convention center. Like, like you said, you know, there's this center alley that is so long and there are yeah. giant doors. Even the doors that are, start from this alley to open, you know, the, 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 the nine rooms that you talked about. The, the, yeah. I remember the doors being like too tall or something like that. Maybe I imagined <laughs> it. But I was like, this is so big and there are so many games that you've never heard of, that you've yeah. never seen. And they have huge uh, stands with a lot of people and sets and stuff. And you're like, who are these people? Who are these games? And when I went, it was 2011. Video games were not even that big and that the way they are now, you know? So it's, uh, I cannot imagine how big it can be today. Like, that's crazy. Yeah. It was, uh, it, it, it was amazing. Um, so, you know, like I said, I, I was mostly there for, for business stuff. So um, I, I was using like, uh, there was like the meet to match system. And then they also had their own like proprietary system. So I was running around like just trying to, you know, get, get business for Bidag. But I, did manage to squeeze in some time to, to visit some booths. Um, and uh, so it was really cool. Um, I, I, obviously, there was some big stuff there. Uh, like uh, all the big companies were there. Um, yeah, wh- what's that new? Is it Starfield? Is that the game everyone's talking about right yeah. now? Yeah, like, you know, that was there. I just want to sing about that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, like the, uh, uh, From Software was there with Armored Core uh, right before, you know, the release date. Uh, Namkai, ba- Na- Namkai, Bandai Namco um, had an enormous booth. They had like a giant inflatable Naruto and they had like all these different games like Tekken. Um, uh, Sandland, surprisingly, uh, had, had a really nice booth um, and uh, all these games. But the thing is... Um, I, I really didn't have time to like wait in line for them. Um, uh, uh, actually, you know what? Two of the biggest games there, um, and th- this might come as a surprise to a lot of listeners. Uh, this will tell you how much games have changed. Um, I, I would say one of the biggest games, like the biggest AAA game there was uh, Black Myth Wukong. You know? Nice. Uh, a Chinese game, right? In, in the past, you don't really hear much about uh, uh, Chinese games in, in the West. Uh, people don't typically think of Chinese games as like AAA, you know, big releases, but um, that that game was really had a nice presence there. They, they had a really beautiful booth. It was this giant cube and each side was painted with a single like traditional Chinese brush art painting. It was really classy too, like really nice. Like it didn't, it didn't look like like a, a a modern attempt you know it wasn't like very uh for lack of a better word like like video gaming looking it like it looked like a genuine traditional chinese brush painting uh you know depicting mm. like Song Wukong and journey to the west but but it was actually depicting characters in the game and bosses um but the 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 line to play the game was like literally like six hours long so i was like okay i'm not <laughs> i'm excited for the game but i'm not we're not gonna wait six hours um so uh, what I did was I, I just went to play uh, the indie games. 
Um, so, you know, that that was really fun. Just just finding out about all these different uh, indie games from not just from Europe, but from around the world, but but also mostly from Europe, right? Because um, in in the Anglosphere and in, in in Thailand, which is you know where where I've spent most of my life, um, you mostly hear about like American games, Japanese games. Occasionally, you hear about some European games, Chinese games. But here, I was in the thick of it, so I got to see like games from all over uh, Europe, and there were some really cool games. Like and and um, just it was really eye opening because uh, you know like even. Yeah, like 20 years ago game development was really hard right like like very few countries not even companies but very few countries had the the capability to even get like a dev kit and had like the you know to develop a local industry but like even 10 years ago right like you know unity yeah. was fairly well developed but um there wasn't that much experience right but now now like nowadays you you have a lot of people who are self-taught you know, there's a lot of good information out there on YouTube. Um, you know, everyone, if they really need to, they can get access to Unity, to Unreal. Um, there's a lot of tools out there. So you're, you're seeing development from, from, from everywhere. So I got to see like, oh, oh, okay, they're making games in, in Italy. Like, what are Italian games like, you know, or like... Obviously, the Nordic region is super strong. I, mean, I, I went to Nordic Games like a, a, a little over a month ago. Like, you know, Nordic Games have been blasting off like a rocket in, in, in the last decade. Um, but uh, yeah, and uh, yeah, it was just seeing games from everywhere. It was it was amazing. It was man. I'm sorry, I'm talking a lot. You guys have any any questions? <laughs> <laughs> Like, um, gonna, oh, go on. No, no, go, 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 go. <clears throat> I was just going to say, like, just in particularly, like, did anything specifically, like, stick out in your mind that sort of, like, referred back to, like, your past starting it, starting in games, you know, just being like, oh, this developer reminded me of me when I was younger. Or, hey, look, that studio is kind of similar to how we started up, like, just in a very specific sort of, like, you know, I guess oh, personal well, yeah. way. Just in a broad sense, actually, um, it was really cool seeing uh I'll, I'll talk about the the italian games industry because that that's something i didn't even know that really existed um i had heard about like a couple games from the 90s there i, I remember there was an italian company that put out like a, a fighting game had like pretty good art yep the, yeah i remember this i remember this yeah, they, yeah, yeah. they released it about. recently i think okay um it, it was pretty niche though right and then um mm -hmm. Yeah, but uh, it, it was cool. Um, hold on, I'm, I'm trying to remember the name of this game. I, I think it was kind of like a bloodborne like fighting game, kind of like. Um, oh, uh, um, this game is. Uh, wasn't the game like? <clears throat> he has very good art. Like, um, yeah, yeah. Are we talking about the the one from the nineties? Yeah, I think we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, okay. No. Yeah, it, it had like really good arcadey art. Like it, it, you might have thought it was like just some some you know Japanese game from like Data East or something, right? Mm -mm -mm. Um, so that that was from back in the day. So I, but you know, I just had never heard of Italian games since then. 
but then you know I got to see some really cool ones at Gamescom. Like, uh, ha- have have y'all heard of uh, Solstice? There's a, a Italian game called Solstice. S O U L S T I C E. If if you just take no. a glance at it, you, you you might think like, oh, it's yeah. you know, it's like some Souls like game, right? But just give it a couple seconds. Really, like take a look at it, and um, it's yeah. it's really more. More of like a you know stylish character action game, more like a PS2 era kind of you know Devil May Cry or like actually kind of reminded me of um, do you remember that Wizard of Oz themed game? I think it was just called Oz. It, I, it was like I a do not remember. Oh. I do not remember that. It was, it, it was an, really cool. It was an action game. It was an adventure. What was it? Yeah, th- yeah. It was there. There was a PS2 action game uh, called I want to say it was called Oz. It was it was. Um, it was like uh, Wizard of Oz, oh. but uh, oh, yeah, like it's, very... it's called the Sword of Etheria. The Sword of Etheria. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what it was called. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and it was it was Wizard of Oz as an action game. Uh, you know, the characters could transform, and um, you actually controlled a party of three, and they had a cool system of like you could air combo people and kind of ping pong them back and forth with your teammates. I, I think I might have talked on the, about this for like a three AM games once. <laughs> Um, in any case, um, this Italian game to me felt like a throwback to that era, and I, I mean that in a good way. I, I, I don't just mean like oh nostalgia or something. I mean like I, I really like that era because it was just a really vibrant era of games where like people just made these really straightforwardly I, cool but still like weird games. Uh, I will say, Richard, not, not to get into it, it too much, like to deviate from this game, but. I feel like a lot of the conversation around Armored Core 6 has been like, hey, why does this game feel different than games that are out now? It feels like a PS2 yeah. game. Why is that? And I think it, it goes into what you're talking about, this kind of era. Yeah, I, in a good way, because I, I think so. Um, I, I guess sort of the picture I'm trying to paint is, uh, and, and this is sort of the broader theme of uh, my takeaway from Gamescom, is you're getting all these developers from all over the world so much indie development, so many interesting games, and um, also like the bar is being raised now, right? So if if you look up this game yeah. Solstice, it's very polished. It's really polished. Um, if you take a closer look at it, it's immediately apparent that it's not a Souls like. The biggest influences are actually Devil May Cry plus Berserk. It's really very very Berserk inspired, um, down to like how the characters look. But it it's 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 very genuine. Right. Like it's it's it doesn't feel like a, a just a weird fan art. Like it, it just feels like they were genuinely really inspired by Kentaro Miura and they just leaned into it instead of like trying to be like, oh, well, we can't be too close. They just did their own thing. Um, and it's a really cool game. Very polished, very story driven. Um, so like I, I actually recommend checking it out because it's uh, um, it has a really cool narrative. And, I, you know, I didn't know it existed. Right. Because I, I just I don't. I've never Googled like Italian games before this. And, you know, there isn't any outlet like covering the hottest games coming out of Italy. And uh, I think this game was polished enough, visually polished enough that it's, uh, you know, some, some places did cover it. Um, But uh, yeah. So what I'm getting is um, it feels like a PS2 game because indies are now double a games, right? That's what's happened over the last year quietly like yes think about how many like super polished indies you see now and i mean i'm beginning to see people say like oh that's not an indie they 
they got funding from a publisher you know this game's got this team's too big or whatever but it's like no that's that's what indies are now <laughs> right you're, yeah I, I I think the point you're you're making is that AAA has become hey we spent a hundred million dollars on this, and double yep. A especially with the tools available I've seen some um some of the new indie games coming out that are on Unreal Engine five look really good um and it's like yeah we have a team of like twenty people <laughs> yeah yeah and I I, I, I know there's yeah. Yeah, go ahead. The, the the team of twenty people, like yeah, it's indie, but it's indie in the way that Adis is a is an indie game, you know, and yeah. it's still very polished. Like when I I have since I've worked in the in the video game press uh, a long time ago, I still have a lot of connections and follow a lot of people who are still there and all. And what you see from people in the indie world is they're saying, <laughs> I wish I had the budget of 80s to do my game, yep. <laughs> you know, and you will not think about 80s as an expensive game because, you know, it's just an indie game. It's 80s, it's a roguelite or something like that. And, up, and of course, it isn't at all like it's a big game. It's basically a double A game in some mm. way that, yeah, it's feels indie but like the new indie very polished 3d games they're like the new double a games basically now in, in some aspect yeah i i wonder if people will just pick up that that term now because you know technically i mean i i suppose indie just means you're not a major developer uh you're definitely not like a publicly traded company uh but increasingly it means like well I mean, I started a company with some friends. We have employees. We have a lot of people have funding, you know, mm -hmm. um, and and these games are getting really complex. It's not like you don't really hear much like breakaway hits like don't starve anymore. Right mm -hmm. now it's like, what is it? Uh, Bob, D Dave, the diver, Bob, the diver. What is that called? I don't know. Do you, do you know <laughs> do, do, I don't know. You guys know what I'm talking about? The um, I, I think it's called Dave the Diver. Yeah, I, I that do. Was the I do big indie hit sold over a million copies, but at at the same time, yep. um, developed by Mint Rocket. I think it's a I think it's a Korean game. Um, but, yeah, we can. Uh, well, like the, I think it was oh, Remy Re, Remy Smile who did a very interesting thread recently yeah. on this. Saying yeah. like, oh, it's like now an indie game, like two guys in a bedroom doing a game today with the expectations of people. Uh, it's now uh, one to two to three million euros or dollars project. Yeah. And yeah. go go and find <laughs> two million dollars to do an indie game at two people. But that's basically the state of the industry of indie games apparently now. I'm not expert, you know, it's... I'm not an indie game. Like I'm just repeating stuff. But the era of hey, I'm just a single guy doing a single thing and I have a huge hit. Yes, it happens, like Vampire Survivor happened in 2022. But you know, like the game was sold two bucks and with a sprite pack. Uh, bought well a very good sprite pack but still a sprite pack bought from an asset store mm. with uh, and uh, it was a passion project made by a guy who was working in software in, in the in the software industry and um, like it's an exception it's not the rule anymore like you don't have yeah 
you know, the surprise it by a nobody every trimester. You have <clears throat> one per year. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. To to that yeah. point, when when I first saw Dave the Diver, so Dave the Diver is this really nice sprite based game. It's got really nice graphics, great characters. They're like very quirky, memorable characters, sprite art. Um, I haven't actually played it. It looks like kind of like a side-scrolling, pixel-based roguelite, like, you know, the kind of game that everyone says, like, won't sell anymore. But it did yeah. really well. And then I was like, oh, that's so cool, you know, this indie hit. Uh, but then I looked into it, and it's like, oh, well, they're a subsidiary of Nexon. So, like you said. Like, <laughs> if you look closely enough, you'll actually notice a fair amount of indie titles that are coming out are yeah. published by Nexon. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Yeah, which I mean, um, not not taking anything away from the team, they made a really weird game, and it's it's great that it's a hit. But but yeah, you know, Thomas, like it's not it's not like it's like what you said. It's not like two dudes in a basement with you know just like a few thousand bucks saved up. Um, you're not seeing those kind of hits anymore. No. Uh, but okay. But here's a good segue. <laughs> I did play another really interesting Italian game that was made by two guys. Um, so, you know, while I was wandering the floor, uh, and I mean, I was just like shell-shocked at this point. I was just like, oh my God, I'm so overstimulated. <laughs> like, there's so many games. Um, at that point, I was just trying to collect as many stickers as possible to give to my niece and uh, nephews when I got home. And uh, someone just put a card in my hand. And I was like, I looked down. I, I saw some cool art. It was like this robot dude with a skull face and like wearing interesting robes and just some interesting <laughs> stuff in the background. And then the game was called Universe for Sale. And I was like, oh, okay. It's a com compelling title, compelling art. Uh, I was like, oh, cool. What is this? And then um, uh, this was actually a volunteer. It wasn't even the developer. Uh, she, she was, you know, doing her job right. She was like, hey, we got a Steam Deck. You want to play it? And I was like, yeah, sure. Why not? I have no idea what it is. I sit down. I play this game called Universe for Sale. And uh, it turns out it's a visual novel. Um, and it really, like, it really calmed me down. I, I Like, right away, I started playing it. And uh, the game, you know how, like, a lot of people say they're making, like, cozy, quote-unquote, cozy games? You know, yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. I've heard that before. <laughs> uh, it's, it's I've learned so much about my girlfriend. Yeah. 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 Uh, I, 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 I like these games. I, I'm my team's making a cozy game too, but the word yeah. gets a bit overused, right? But this game was like truly cozy in the sense of like yeah. it felt like stepping out of the rain and getting like a warm cup of tea. And what's funny is it's raining outside right now where I am. And, and literally, that's what you do when the game begins, is you arrive in this weird place, rain's pouring down, you're just kind of covered up, and you got to walk through the rain, get to your destination, uh, which is, you know, this, this bar slash cafe slash, like, inn. And then you get in there, take your clothes off, and, oh, I'm this weird skeleton guy. I know nothing about this guy, even though I've been walking in his shoes. Uh, but I settle down at this cafe, and I'm I'm choosing what he says, you know, and then I found out like, oh, okay, I'm on another planet, and uh, oh, it's like, you know, the guy's telling me about the acid rain, and it's like, oh, I'm I'm supposed to meet my friend here, and it felt cozy in like a very grounded sense. Um, yeah, 
and and the I've way played, they grab the prologue too and yeah that's exactly what you say though that's yeah so and i yeah yeah, yeah. um i i won't get too deep in I, it because because thomas already interviewed the developers <laughs> i was gonna say plug for if you're listening to this right now have you listened to episode 85 thomas's interview yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so. I didn't waste time. Like Richmond was like, you should really talk with those people because they are European like you and they like comics like you. And I was like, well, I'll do this tomorrow then. And then it was done. Oh yeah, yeah. It just had to be done. I was gonna say, yeah, Richmond. When I was, uh, I was looking at a lot of the art because I had, I had to grab the stuff that Thomas gave me to put together the the alt, you know, our launch art stuff that we put on Spotify yeah. and whatever. Um, and I was gonna say, yeah, immediately like the game. If you just look at a still of it, it feels like a really, um, it feels like a passionate like indie comic book that you might yes. like, you might like pick up in a store. Like, uh, one that might be like next to, um, like next to flight or in flight or something. But you're like, oh, I haven't seen this before. And you're like, oh, this is amazing. What is this? Like, that's kind of mm -hmm. what it feels like to me. And it's got like a really. Uh, like everything about the every shot, even though you have no idea what you're looking at, you're kind of like, oh, I want to learn more about this. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, and um, I, I, I don't want to say too. Oh, good. Now I, I just wanted to mention a couple of other things, but I'll let you close out this topic. I want to circle back around to the previous one. It's cool. <laughs> oh sure. Um, so yeah, it, it was just nice. Like in the midst of of uh, Gamescom. Hundreds of thousands of people, like just overwhelming booths and stuff. There, there was this serene little game, um, and you know, like everyone's talking about the indie apocalypse. There's so many games coming out. The stakes are being raised. It's getting so expensive even to make an indie game. But here was a game made by like two dudes. Uh, one of them, the 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 writer and artist, is uh, a a comic book artist. It was originally conceived as a comic book, and then um, he he teamed up with a programmer. And they adapted it into a game, uh, but the thing is, it it's so tastefully done. It, I was shocked to find this was like their first game yeah. together because it mm -hmm. so perfectly bridges the gap between comics and games and visual novels mm -hmm. and motion comics. Like it's very much it's a game that feels like reading a good comic, but it's still yeah, interactive that, that as a game. That's the funny thing is that they, they really that's really the vibe they when we talked during the interview they really said that we wanted to make an interactive European comic like really yeah. really that's the the wall point and uh, we talked about how some sub, very subtle details made it makes the game more grounded in its um in its ideas, like you probably noticed, Richmond, since it's the art eater podcast and members and stuff, mm -hmm. but the, the speech bubbles of the game, mm -hmm. maybe you remember how they float, how they appear, yeah. how they are animated, and suddenly it's, it's, it feels very grounded. And what's funny is that I recently finished Vagrant Story, a game which has a lot of very pretty speech bubbles too so i was like it was the speech bubble like week for me and i was very happy about it so yeah the, <laughs> but it's very deliberate that's really what yeah. i like and um and we talked we also talked uh but not after the recording and the auditor curse actually happened with uh, those two guys Zino and Federico is that we talked about very interesting stuff after we stopped the recording and, 
<laughs> because yeah. if you're a listener, you don't know, but we often talk about stuff and we're like, well, we should have recorded that and it's too late. And yeah. um, every time and we, we do this far yeah, too often. <laughs> every time. And we, he told me that he was like uh, doing like, um, for some characters, he was doing like, um, n- not maybe like self-conscious drawing, but the opposite, you know, like automatic drawing or something like that. And uh, some of some of the character design, like the the lady that has um, you know squid arms as air, for mm. example. Maybe you've seen her during the demo. She's uh, it was made during you know uh, a kind of yes yeah, self conscious or automatic drawing process or something like that. Oh, so awesome. yeah, it's uh, it's very awesome, like very yeah. different. Yeah, I. So yeah, it feels like it was just made by two people. Like in a really good way. Like it feels yeah. really intimate. Oh, and I, I don't and, want to spoil uh, the rest of the interview, but yeah, there are a lot of details about how it was <laughs> yeah. made, and that's very, very funny yeah, yeah. how it happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah okay. Yeah. You get, listen to the previous podcast to get the scoop on that. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. If you'd like to hear um, more, uh, Adam, just, uh, when yeah, you Adam, go wait, back. so yeah, we're, we're, uh, please let's let's continue the conversation. Oh no, absolutely. So basically, like we've just had a really good conversation about a couple of things, but I just wanted to make some uh, some notes and some points, I suppose. So. I guess just like for me initially when we're talking about like uh, the scope of like games and like their quality relevant to like the budget and also the amount of staff working on them like mm-hmm. it's a really interesting thing to sort of posit the idea of like quality again like relative to like size of team because like some of the best games that I've seen in my entire life have been made by quite literally less than like five people four people and I think that oh, just, yeah. um, in learning what it is that like I've I guess just like seeing on this like course that I've just been on, I think like there's something so specific about like a unified vision. And obviously like having less people doesn't instantly mean that the thing will be better. I think it's how communicative you are with the team, how well it is that you're able to sort of, you know, work with people interpersonally in a professional sense, but also just on top of that, because those two things are quite basic in a sense. But I think that just understanding the scope of your own work and keeping your work within those bounds and then also at the same time being able to deliver on top of, you know, the quality that you want, a meaningful experience for someone else to enjoy. Like, again, these sound like very vague and sort of broad things, but honestly, like, some of the best games that I've ever played, they've come from people with a very specific vision that they've communicated mm-hmm. in a very specific type of way. And I think that, for example, you know, games like Stardew Valley, for example, having a read on some Game Run article about, like, why it is that, like, you know, that sort of lightning in a, bo- in a bottle popularity might not be able to be replicated again. I always think about the ways in which that, like, a game, its initial kind of, like, USP, I suppose, is something that you want to posit to someone in, like, a one-word, two-word, one-sentence, two-sentence structure, right? But sometimes, I think, when you sort of get your hands on and play for the first time, if someone doesn't even tell you what to do and you also just have just picked it up for the first time and you also just are able to work your way into it, feel your way into it, and it just starts to feel so natural, that is honestly one of the hardest things to to capture, but we call that sort of game feel. And I just think that our language, the, the nomenclature surrounding game development and the way in which it relates to people, I think we're seeing it evolve right now. I think that's why we're seeing so many questions of why is this so popular? Why did this hit right? Why are cozy games a thing? Like we're starting to get into this point where for well, we've been at this point for a while, but we're starting to really emphasize or express it in a in a in a literary sense, I feel that like we want to feel the games that we're playing. We want to feel things through 
games very specifically. Obviously, this has always been the case, but we're just speaking about it in such specific terms now. And I think that's um, that's something that's very interesting. Something which is a uh, it's part of the piece, but it's also something that's part of you know the wider discussion in terms of how it is that people relate to games media as a whole, and of course, just general I guess interactive media, I suppose. But again, looking at Universe um, for Sale, for example, when you were speaking about you know the way in which the the that the game just relaxed you and just how it is that that worked within that cafe setting. One of the most relaxing videos that I've ever seen uploaded by Sadistic Canada is a Persona 5 Beneath the Mask 10-hour sort of extended yes. edition. Yes! <laughs> I'm like, I, it's literally oh a snazzy, snazzy, rainy, rainy day, super relaxing thing. Shout out to Rochelle Mia, one of my best bros who yeah. sent that to me years and years ago. But like, I'm telling you, like, when you are in the mood to sort of like relax and sit indoors there's something about it that just like really gets into your like neurons you can just feel the way that just like you are just chilling out you know and there's, there's a name for it which has escaped me at the moment but like that's what it is that i think that we are communicating to each other you know it's not so much that like oh i press this button and this button did that and that's a cool thing which is also valid and a really you know excellent part of why it is we make games but I just think that it's a really cool thing to hear people speak about games as like, I guess, catalyst of like emotional change like within us. Just like they allow for us to sort of speak and sit down and relax and cry and chill and be angry and be happy and be sad and feel, you know, you, just everything that we possibly have been able to experience outside of that specific medium, it was it also exists within it and also because of it. So, so a bit of a long ramble rant there, but like that was one of the points which I wanted to make. Also, speaking about the um the amount of I guess money that goes into the you know creation of some games and thinking about how that can you know sort of change how it is that we view their development, how that development works, all those different things. But I've been in the in the wider media world again, I've been watching a lot of GQ YouTube videos. And like, I watched one, you know, Michael Sarah breaks down his most iconic characters. And he was talking about his time working on this, um, this really cool film called Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist. And he just very specifically speaks about how that film kind of represents to him a certain time in film creation that he doesn't necessarily feel is kind of coming back. Similarly to how we feel about, you know, early indie game development. Speaking of, you know, your 2008, 2007, 2009, sort of even 2006, before then even, like that sort of period of time where, of course, people have always been making games, but when you're sort of seeing that early birth of a scene, early birth of the internet, again, I was able to be lucky enough to, you know, see Joachim Sandberg's work and just like looking at the way in which that he was able to put out such amazing, amazing things, the Noitu loves, like all of that, just beautiful, brilliant work, the chalk, all of this that really inspired me at the time. Like that's what I saw, you know. I saw the the Brad Bonds of, of the of the world out there working on the Fancy Pants games. I saw like just so many different people. I saw Solar Loon out there. I saw like I saw incredible indie developers who were working on very specific projects that they felt that they needed to share with the world. And I think that, again, in a film-based sense, we're seeing lots of people feel that same kind of, I suppose, inflation of us in, in, in a way of speaking, in a manner of speaking. And I think that it will come back around sooner than we think. But what I would also like to say as well is that like, we should definitely kind of like give a lot of grace to the people who are still trying and often get their sort of work passed off as kind of... Um, I suppose you could call it like a like a shovelware of sorts. A lot of people, when they are making games for the first time, 
they very much do need to get those skills, you know, out there. They need to practice. They need to, it's like being in the gym, you know, you're not going to bench, like you're not going to bench the 200 pounds when you just walk in, you know, that's just not happening. Or when you walk into the martial arts center, you're not going to hit the 360 kick the first go. You need to work and practice. So I just want to, again, always just give grace and also give, I guess, thanks, honestly, to everybody who does feel it within themselves and within their heart to upload something to any site, to any place, to any, you know, itch.io, to any Google Play Store, to any Apple App Store, anyone, anywhere just trying to do or make something. I just think that, especially in conversations like this, I just really want to give them that extra shout out just in case, because honestly, like, it can be hard and daunting seeing people be like, you know, we need to sell our house to like fund the creation of this game, you know, Studio Moldenhauer, or you need to be able to work on, you know, something whilst working on three other jobs and stuff like that. And like, these are real, you know, areas of our lives, which people need to do to, you know, fund their passion. But honestly, just that's something which is massively important. I always want to speak up for people in indie spaces, of course, but yeah, just um, the massive sort of, I guess, like tail end of this now is just speaking about that sort of indie apocalypse attitude. And I just really hope that people don't feel, I guess, sort of like frightened by that too, too much. I think that even just the shortest of short projects is still worth putting out there, you know, and I just want to sort of reiterate that sort of in a, in a positive sense. But yeah, I, I very much vibe with what it is that we've been talking about with like the vampire survivors of the world and the universe for sale out here as well, doing great. And just, yeah, I hope that people don't sort of see size of team or amount of money as success is what I'm saying. There, there are so many other avenues throughout which we are able to create creative media. And I just want for people to know that it doesn't have to be a blockbuster smash for your thing to be good still. Like obviously thing being good still doesn't put food on the table instantly, but it's a path, it's a journey, it's a lifestyle well-lived. And I think that at the end of the day, a lot of the time people can get a bit scared i felt that before i know people who people have spoken to who felt that before and like yeah like when you want to release something and you want it to be you know like the among us of the world like that might not happen for you but that's okay so that's what i want to say yeah lots i know yeah. i'm back what's up <laughs> sorry <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's the but to be honest like the, we were talking with Richmond before the um, before the podcast, but it's not just you know video games recently who has a hard time. Like uh, you're seeing Disney Plus having a hard time being profitable, Netflix Absolutely. and stuff like that, and so the the whole industry, the whole tech industry, I will say, which is like almost everywhere now in some aspect because there's tech in every every industry is having a hard time so yeah it's not like an isolated it's not isolated to video games it's like in a yep. lot of industries so yeah just like aj said like maybe it's more risky and harder today to find money for a game but that should not discourage people from trying i think yep. yeah definitely also, perhaps there are wider socioeconomic factors that are making this hard for a lot of people. And maybe a lot of people who are striking are doing excellent work. That's also all I will say. <laughs> yeah. nice. Maybe, maybe yeah. you'll see also, I don't know for you, Richmond and, and Sean, but maybe the way video games are made, even for indies, has changed. We mentioned, you know, uh, engines and stuff like that helping but maybe people are also having 
different types of production that makes the two bedroom people with a sandwich and uh, and a Red Bull can uh, impossible today because I know maybe people are older now with more responsibilities maybe families and stuff like that like indies are not always made now by 20 something people maybe it's also people you know growing up and just they're like okay no I'm not going to do an indie game for a penny I'm going to do it for this amount or I'm not going to do it because I want this standard of living or I have those responsibilities maybe this change the, the game too that's that's definitely a part of it yeah um i will say i i still saw a lot of other like fun games made by like really small teams still so it's not yeah. it's not all doom and gloom for like uh smaller solo oh, absolutely yeah, yeah. Well, no, absolutely like, there's so much good stuff out there still like, that wasn't to say that like that everyone's gonna have like a terrible time like it's definitely not all doom and gloom there's so much rad I, stuff I, going on i will correct, say man. that um I, I think to what you're talking about is uh typically nowadays when you're seeing that um that smaller studio i think that the engine question is more around coming up with air quotes like double a AA or triple a looking games is much easier uh, with yep. a smaller team of people, but I what I think what what I've noticed is when it's a very small team, they tend to really be uh, leaning heavily on a very stylized approach. Um, for instance, another game um, that I that I, I've been kind of keeping an uh, eye on from Gamescom, I'll, I'll mention uh, one of the many games that I have on my list is is called Chicken Police. Uh, are you all familiar with this this game? Mm. No, I haven't um, heard of that one. Nope. Uh, it's from a, a studio out of Hungary called The Wild Gentleman. Um, and it's like, it's one of these other ones where like, and this is the kind of the point I I wanted to make about, like, I use this game as an example of it is what the hell (laughs) it's it's got a very, it's got a very opinionated specific, uh, (laughs) visual style. And it's, it's not trying to be unreal five, blah, blah, blah. Uh, To be honest with you, I actually don't know how big, uh, wild gentleman is, uh, but uh, like I said, they're I believe they're out of uh, Budapest. Um, wow! But, um, but I, I'm pretty yeah, sure it's, let, it's like a it's like a noir describe, thing. Okay. Yeah, describe the style for the listeners. Uh, okay, uh, how do you how do you explain Chicken Police? Um, uh, okay, the so fo- the <laughs> oh, I I can I can try like film uh, noir movie, but all the characters are like. Photoshop of animals that I made when I was in art school, but very well done and in a very, very yes. nice way. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've got it. I've got it. All right. So th- think black sad, but also think like grittier black sad, like sad black sad. Like think that. With stock animal pictures on bodies, human yeah. bodies. Like. <laughs> Sean, how did you find this oh, game? Oh, okay, wait, wait. No, actually, um, I, hadn't looked, I hadn't looked at their. Um, their site, but I actually just looked it up. So they there's six core members of uh, Wild Gentlemen, and then uh, four part timers. So pretty small team. Um, I actually don't remember how I stumbled on this game, uh, but I, I think I was looking at a, a Gamescom roundup, and I and I saw like a clip of it, and I was like, was that a chicken in a in like a leather jacket talking to like a like a cat in a in a gentleman's cap? I feel like I need to find out what this is. Um, yeah, I'm into this. I'm, it I'm looks like this it, yeah, it's it's like Sin City, but with a rooster. 
Like, <laughs> yeah, my my first thought was it looks like the live action uh, Sin Sin City. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I, 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 but, but I, anyway, the the, the 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 round around the point I was trying to make is, but then uh, to, to pull up another one, I, I've also been looking at uh, this other one called uh, uh, Still Wakes the Deep. Have you seen? Have you, do you know what I'm talking about? It's by a it's by a uh, British developer um, called The Chinese Room. Yes, um, yeah, 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 yes. yeah, and that's one. I don't think it's in Unreal Engine five, but um, the, and also they're they're like not six people. I think that they're a little bit larger, and uh, their studio was acquired a couple of years ago. They made uh, like Amnesia, so they haven't made nothing. But uh, I feel like that to me that represents like two games that I would consider on the indie spectrum, and I feel like Still Wakes the Deep is an amazing looking game. Um, yeah, it's something pretty. something that is was probably not achievable by such a small team. Mm -hmm probably even 10 years ago so i don't know i, I but I, I kind of feel like when i see these you know one to five people whatever it tends to be that um they lean heavily on the the style and concept and that you're seeing a lot more people when you're using like 3d engines coming up with more typical action adventure games and stuff yeah. like you'll, you'll see ones like the first descendant uh that's also being published by nexon um I saw that uh, Quantic Dream is publishing uh, Dustborn. Like they, they all look really yeah. good, right? But like they're they're clearly like a, a product of their tools as well as style. And I don't know. So I I, I think to your point, as I get older, I'm kind of more <laughs> I'm more interested. Maybe not in in all just cozy games, but just seeing people yeah. that that start with a, a style and a concept and are less kind of starting in what engine they have to work with, okay. which is easier, yeah, that, easier said than done, right? So I have something good about the Central Studio. Just like um, what, what, real quick, I just want to get in. But um, that that company originated honestly as a as a mod team for Half Life Two, and they're based in Brighton, which is like fantastic for like the um the sort of wider UK like game scene, I suppose. But also oh, yeah, like, you're Brighton, talking about so, a Chinese yeah, room, right? For uh, so the Chinese room, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah they're but, they're really cool. They also worked on like everybody's gone to the Rapture, like Dear Esther, like obviously Amnesia, as you mentioned earlier. But like, yeah, like definitely really, really great. But just like a lot of like narrative based games in a sense well narrative based games but i mean like games that really like strike at the heart of like a really excellently written crafted story but like yeah i really can't wait for more of this sort of like first person like narrative horror narrative horror like i'm really really feeling this 100 percent. this is really cool I, I just wanted to mention that the and then i know richard you wanted to say something but still makes the deep i really wanted to mention uh because like uh Believe it or not, one of the first, like, beyond, like, the Nintendo and, like, Zelda of the world, one of the first games that really enraptured me with gaming was actually Myst. And this game was hitting all my Myst buttons somehow <laughs> while I was watching the trailers. <laughs> so, um, anyway. Yeah. The, um, in the, in the same way, if you want if you want an original game... Oh, sorry, which one didn't, so you posted the game. Go, go, go. The DC Lao used the game you posted. <laughs> yeah, like, so Sean, I, I, I got a game for you. You're talking about like very stylized graphics, very, uh, a, you know, just a strong theme. Uh, this is one of the, these games that I, I, I just, I took a glance at it and I was like, I, I got to play this. Um, so this is a, a very little known game. Uh, I'm on their YouTube channel right now. They have like 236 subscribers. So I'm going to give them a shout out. Hopefully we can get some more more followers, more viewers for them. I played a game called The Strongest Tofu by Zauno Ashi Games. And um, it's exactly what it sounds like. You play as a block of soft tofu, and it's a, it's a physics platformer. Um, you cannot walk. You can only launch yourself. 
uh, sort sort of like imagine like Angry Birds like controls, but mm-hmm. it's you're not launching yourself into a it's not a, a catapult physics sim. It's you're you're trying to clear <laughs> like a platformer level. I I love how they're ta- I love how the, the tagline for the game is "Be the tofu." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So this is I'm almost certain this is a solo dev game. Um uh but it's really simple premise, really charming simple graphics and you're you're literally a cube of tofu and the whole thing is you can't launch yourself too far or too hard or fall from too too high or you'll break apart. And that that's it. You well, clear I mean, the level of, of of course you're a soft tofu. Yeah, and and you try not to get eaten by like birds and crabs and stuff. It's super the, simple, but this, it's really is, fun. This is a small thing, but uh, I'm still watching a video of it. I really feel that they've nailed what it looks like when a soft tofu kind of breaks yes. apart into pieces of tofu. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you, yeah. You know, it's, it's, it, it, re- it reminds me of a, like Untitled Goose Game, where I was like, "Wow, they really nailed gooseness." Like this, like wow, what, they've really, yeah. nailed, they've really nailed yeah, tofu. Oh my god! Oh <laughs> yeah, my yeah. god! Goose game. I was extremely mischievous. Oh my goodness, that was perfect. Oh, like the, goose game, game, the, the goosey goosey gandering. Oh my god, the tomfoolery. Let me tell you, it's mad. Yeah, <laughs> honk honk. The best, the, the best dialogue uh, I've I, played in a I, long I, time. I, like I have to tell you, I feel like we need more games that have an entire button for something that has no functional gameplay reason. <laughs> like, have honk. a honk button in that game, and it doesn't actually. For the most part, doesn't really have a functional gameplay mm. reason. It's just for it's just for role playing. Yeah, well, it's, it's just for goose role playing. Mm-hmm. I, you I want, you want to get someone's attention a little bit, honk, and then straight run away. But like, yeah, just mainly you just goosing around. Yeah, just chilling. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't know if you know. I don't know if you know, but Untitled Goose Game had an update to play to for two player uh, mode, so you can be two gooses. At the what? same time in the game, yeah, you can you can goose oh with your part with your with your 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 special partner, like <laughs> like a special someone, like you can goose the game together, like perfect. Two goose, two furious. We yeah, two goose, two furious. Yeah, yeah, and uh, oh and each goose to distinguish it's, it's... themselves, they they have a bow tie or something like that of color. So oh, you're 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 the stylish <laughs> goose too. That's oh my perfect. god! Look, look look AJ, it's not. It's not just about goosery, it's about family. Honestly. <laughs> <laughs> that, that should be the title of this podcast, honestly. Like, that should be this episode's title. Like, you've kind of cracked it. <laughs> oh, so, oh. any other game that you saw, Richmond, during, the, <laughs> during Gamescom? Oh, man. Okay, I, I just got to give some quick shout-outts. Uh, so, you know, there, there are games from all over the world. So, of course, um, there were also games from Southeast Asia. So I, I, I dropped by, I, I saw, have you guys heard, heard of a Cuisiner by uh, Battle Brew? No. Uh, no. Okay, let me, let, me, let me give you guys the Whoa. link. So um, they are a, a Singaporean studio. Mm-hmm. I, I, I met them, I, I met uh, their founder, uh, Sean, at the Google Indie Games Expo a couple years ago. Um, that, that was when Google got like indie devs from around the world and like uh, they, they, they held like oh. workshops for us and stuff. And um, so, oh God, you know, cool. um, <gasps> that's yeah. cute. That's so so Cuisiner is this super cute game. It's, it's, it's uh, isometric uh, rogue light um, dungeon crawler, but the twist is that you're collecting ingredients to cook. 
So you know, kind of, kind of like Dungeon Meishi, kind of. Like yeah, story, like but... like the 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 the, the, the breath of the wild, but only if you liked cooking something. Yeah. The, the, the cooking yeah, yeah, yeah. was the, mo- your the most favorite part. part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so yeah, half one of the it... developers is live streaming the game, by the way, just to, just to mention. Oh, nice. But yeah. Okay. Yeah, That's so, it, so nice. it's it's a lovely game. So half of it is the dungeon crawler, fight monsters, get ingredients. The other half is you go back to town and you you set up your your restaurant, you talk to people, you make friends, um, and and it's just a really lovely game. It's got a really nice art style, um, you know, very manga anime yeah. uh, art style, super cute. Uh, everyone's like sort of an animal person hybrid. You're like a cute cat girl. And the thing is like every character is full of personality. Like every instant you meet them, you get their attitude, right? You're like, oh, this guy's kind of arrogant. Or, oh, okay, this person's really shy, right? You know, like it's just brimming with personality. Mm -hmm. That's lovely. So I I highly recommend uh, checking that out. Um, You know, it's on on Steam. I think you can wish list it now. I, yeah, yeah, and it'll. I believe it's coming out on Switch as well, uh, or oh. maybe I'm, I'm not sure. Um, anyways, it's it's a really cool game. You should check that out. Uh, and then also, of course, I had to drop by the uh, Toge Productions booth and check out uh, Krieg's Front. So another another oh. fellow Southeast Asian developer making a mecha game. So um, Toge, they're, they're the number one indie developer from Indonesia. Uh, they've been around forever. Like they, they, they were making flash games back in the day. They've developed like literally like hundreds of, of games. Um, and then um, in recent years, they've been doing, uh, you know, really cool indie games for, for, you know, on steam on the switch and they've even become a publisher. Um, and, uh, you know, they're, they're probably their most famous game right now is is uh, Coffee Talk, um, yeah. but uh, they were from uh, Krieg's Front, and uh, Krieg's Front is uh, much like the game I'm making, Zeka Tactics. We both independently uh, started developing a turn-based uh, mecha strategy game um, at the same time. Uh, th- theirs is very uh, front mission inspired. It's got very like retro 32-bit uh, style of graphics and like really heavy customization and um, Really cool game. I, I, I highly recommend checking out a Krieg's Front uh, Tactics. Very hardcore strategy game. Uh, really finely tuned. Like um, I, I played their demo. Like I, I was really like mentally drained, <laughs> so I wasn't on the top of my game. But I, it came down to like my very last unit. I had like a sliver of health left, and I, I finished the mission. So I, I, I consider that pretty good game balance <laughs> when someone can stumble across it and. And you know they just barely eke their way through it. Uh, it's a fun game. That's so that's so funny. The 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 um, differences of style between the games of the studio. You know how the 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 how they can stretch oh, to do. Yeah, Toge. Yeah. Oh, they can do anything. They yeah. can. That, that's so surprising because I'm on their Steam page. You know, with uh, all yeah. the all their games and uh, the the graphic style and the type of gameplay seems different almost every time. So it's a, uh, it's it's very impressive. Like they have an, another oh, yeah. game, Ankara the Old, apparently a kind of dungeon crawler or something like that. Yep. FPS dungeon yeah. crawler maybe. So yeah, it's a uh, it's so different. Yeah. Yeah. Time. Some developers pick like one lane and they stay in it. And then they they have that 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 festive. It's almost like 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 Capcom back in the day. It's like they'll do anything, right? It's like oh, let's make 
Yeah, well, we used to make <laughs> brawlers. Let's invite fighting games. Oh, okay. Let's make oh. a racing game. Let's make an RPG. Like, it's sky's I, the uh, limit. I, I also wanted to mention something that caught my eye during Gamescom this year, and I, I apologize in advance to Thomas if I'm stealing any thunder from you or if, or if you want to talk about this. So I noticed mm-hmm. that um, Quantic Dream is starting to publish games, uh, yep. publish independent titles, and they announced, I think it was, uh, I don't know if there was more than three, but I saw three that I believe are all French indie developers. Um, from uh, Under the Waves is an exploration one, Dustborn, which I mentioned before, and then uh, Lisfonga, which is like uh, it kind of has uh, it kind of has uh, Hades vibes uh, to it. It's like a, a kind of a top-down action adventure one. Uh, but I saw all those announced, and I had never heard of the studios, but I know at least um, Under the Waves is done by Parallel Studio, which used to do like Oculus games, which kind of makes mm-hmm. sense. And then Lasfanga is like uh, Sandor, which is a, a, a Paris studio, I think. But uh, actually looks pretty good. And I was actually pretty excited that most people are excited about them. And mm-hmm. uh, I've never been like that big of a Quantic Dream fan. Like, you know, Detroit Become Human, I think, was pretty good. Um, but I, I never didn't really scratch the itch. Um, I think Richmond knows that I famously hate Heavy Rain's UI. Um, <laughs> yeah. um, but... Uh, <laughs> But I was no, so, Sean. Was, you don't get it. The the difficult UI represents his inner struggle. <laughs> <laughs> don't don't get me started. Yeah. On, on that that U, UI abomination. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I think uh, anyway. The point being is that like I was I was like, oh, Quantic Dream is publishing now. That's that's interesting. Um, I think the label is actually called Spotlight, but it, it's Quantic Dream. Um. So uh, anyway, I just thought I thought all of those actually looked very interesting, and I was just glad to see, uh, them branching out. Uh, and and like I said, I believe they're doing it to h- help highlight independent studios because all of those studios that are doing those. Um, I don't know the studio behind Dustborn, but that one's also like it's got kind of a um, kind of a cart like, car- like cartoony is not the right word, but like a stylized uh, almost kind of gearbox esque feel. I haven't looked too much into it, but um, I hadn't recognized the studio behind that one either. I haven't followed. Uh, well, I knew Country Dream was uh, doing him. I didn't actually. I saw Under the Waves, but I wasn't like it interested me uh, at first. But uh, it's um, it's a game about uh, grief. Like it's someone like a, a, a sub. Um, how do you say people who go underwater with bottles? A sub, um, not a submarine. A guy in the submarine, and uh, anyway, and uh, it's about. Um, grief i suppose like uh like very introspective mm-hmm. game narrative introspective game so yeah it's uh i was interested and after that i was like okay i'm not too in the mood for this one but it, it looks very very interesting in in a lot of way but yeah that's uh that's the thing there's also uh if you want uh but if you want another game like that i really want I really wanted in 2023, and I don't think it's going to come in 2023. It's uh, it's uh, this one. Maybe you've seen it in the since we were talking about you know different visuals and stuff. It's a skate story, which is basically Tony Hawk, but you have like cool nostalgic music, and you play a demon made of glass, and you have <laughs> when you fall, you shatter in a in glass pieces because you're made of glass basically and the game like the if you if you play the trailer put the music because it's the the whole mood is in the music also like uh 
That's yeah. I saw I saw gifts of this like years ago, and like honestly, it was so captivating just looking at this super, yeah. I guess, hyper reflective character just like skate and being like, what is this dude? Like, this is really cool. They look like a glitch wow. effect. Like, I'm not sure if anyone's yeah. seen um uh, across wait, what was it like into the spider verse across the spider verse like, the latest spider verse film that just came out i forget the name of it. yeah the spider verse is the right is across the, the spider yeah, yeah but like yeah like when it's like when the characters are in the wrong like universe and they kind of just like glitch out a little bit like the reflection and like i guess some of the refractions that are coming off the main character in this remind me so much of that effect like they just kind of just mm-hmm. hitting all of the coolest just moves and they're just like glistening like damn styling on everybody so yeah Tony Hawk in the Underworld, um, and you're made of glass. The, the game is beautiful. Glass and pain. Yeah, and pain. Absolutely. Yeah, you're made of glass yeah. and pain. It's beautiful <laughs> because glass wasn't enough, you know. <laughs> so yeah, a game is, is by this a Sam French Egg, game? I think it was. The that I know of. The, the guy is it, from New York. It's beautiful. Wow. So, uh, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, New it's York? beautiful. Like, yeah, yeah, it feels very New York. It was, it's, um, <laughs> it, it feels big city, you know. Maybe it, it could yeah. have been Paris or something too. But uh, it, what I like about it is, it feels very much of our times, right? It doesn't feel like a throwback to to anything. Is, is like that, maybe just, do you know is that published by Devolver Digital or is that developed by them? It's the it's uh, uh, published by Devolver. Yeah, because they're they're, 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 they're based out of Boston. Right? They're based out of Texas. Um, okay. yeah. But I wasn't sure if they were just publishing because they publish a lot of games. Uh, I don't know if they make yeah, all yeah, of theirs. Yeah. yeah. No, no, they're, they're, they mostly publish. Yeah, they yeah. publish a lot. Oh. That's just publishing it, I think. One of the coolest things on here, honestly, is like on their Twitter, they have um, Skate to the Moon and Devour It. And I'm just like, fuck yeah. I would love to Skate to the Moon and Devour It. <laughs> I, I, I vibe with this yeah. immensely. This, yeah. is a, this is very cool. Yeah, beautiful game. Skate uh... Story. Cool. Oh, this has become the uh, indie shout out podcast now, which is honestly, yeah, yeah. Richmond. When hasn't it been that? To be honest, we love the yeah. indie development no, community. Shout out to everybody it. doing it for themselves. We love you. Yeah. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. The, um, <laughs> <laughs> I think it was. If I can plug one that's already out, the, I think it's shown maybe that talk about Bury Me, My Love, the game. I don't know if you remember this one. It was a a game about uh, that you played that, that simulated um, a smartphone, and it was about a, a Syrian refugee that starts the travel oh. from Syria to Europe, and you play the whole game by communicating through the smartphone, like you are oh, the, wow. the the person that is uh, talking to to this to this um, to this refugee, and they recently made a new game. Uh, that is called the wreck, I think. Yeah, that's the wreck, which has a very okay. peculiar art direction too, like very original. And uh, apparently, it's very, very good. I haven't played it yet. It's kind of heavy on the story. It's kind of heavy on the the topics, the subject, and stuff like that. So uh, I haven't played it yet, but uh, I've, I've heard of this good one. Thing. Yeah. 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 Nice. Um. So, <clears throat> Yeah, I mean, it's I, a, it's, I, I think, yeah. Sorry, go. Oh, just. I mean, and I, I've actually, th- I, I think this has always been true, but it's it's become especially apparent recently. Is if if you want your game to stand out, it should have a make sure it has a really good story. Ultimately, mm-hmm. that's what people want, right? 
Yep. Like also uh, uh, that the I think if uh, through all of the the noise and whatever around games like massive games like Starfield, I I feel like that that really comes down to like where. Like you see, like you know, games did this like giant open world thing, and I actually I think you're seeing a lot a lot of games like shy back away from that. And I feel like to your point, even the smallest thing, it's like oh, it's, tell a good character story, tell tell a good interesting story. People don't really care if it has mm-hmm. a thousand things to do in the world. Yeah. Or or I think a lot of big budget titles, honestly, that are that have come out recently that have really like fallen flat on their face, um, has to do with the fact. Um, what was that one? That just came out that had like the one where you had like a, a gauntlet that had like a, a a spicy attitude and whatever and like she got it was it had like a it initially had like a Narnia vibe where like the main character got thrown from New York into like a fantasy world whatever oh the, 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 squ- the Square Enix thing yeah for yeah. for spoken yeah. was the one so yeah. I, I feel yeah. like conceptually that game could have could have done really well but the way that they executed it uh, really fell down on like I think if the story had been better. Uh, and the game, like, cause the cause my understanding was like the core gameplay loop was actually like pretty fine, but the dialogue and attitude and story and characters were so unlikable, <laughs> like it made the the rest of the game. I mean, that's that's just one example, but I feel like to to your point, like, yeah, man, all every single time it's the story and the characters. If you nail those, you can build any game around it. Yeah. Well, that that as well as like the release window and like the era in yeah. which it is released too, because honestly, like. Among Us came out. I'm going to keep talking about Among Us. I'm going to keep talking about Among Us. Among Us came out in, on June 15th in 2018. And, like, it was popular to a degree, but, like, the way that it blew up during the pandemic in and of itself is like a testament to the idea. And also, I guess, the truth of the idea of that, like, people will play something with somebody else. Like, if your game is very specifically geared towards trying to facilitate social interaction, a game like that is going to be really successful at a time when people will need to socially interact through that medium. So I think that, like, honestly, having that sort of timing, so obviously, again, no one kind of predicts that, like, their game release will include, you know, the actual, I guess, just reality that was and is the pandemic. But, I mean, like, I think that that's something which is also really intriguing. Just uh, It's a perfect example of, like, you know, when a game is released is just so incredibly important and also something incredibly unpredictable too massively like i've just been hearing about um for example again there was a game yeah for example um uh, does anyone remember the game the motor storm games for example right like the motor storm series of like racing games that used to very very uh, vaguely yeah yeah, yeah. but like but basically there, there was a um one of those titles was due to release and it was based in and around i think i think it was motor storm apocalypse but basically like there were lots of earthquakes that would trigger within the game buildings would fall and you'd be driving through them crashing through windows driving off the 10th floor of a giant like you know city skyline as it's crashing into the earth all that stuff right very cool but um I believe that, like, when there were earthquakes, I think it was the earthquakes in Japan in, like, the early 2010s, I think, like, that occurred. I think that, like, the original um, Motorstorm uh, Apocalypse was due to be released in some of the areas of, like, Japan, like, Southeast Asia, just around Asia in general. And, like, their release date coincided with that tragedy, and they had to push it back. They had to push their whole release backwards in, you know, time to make sure that they were being, you know sensible and sensitive with regard to i guess the earthquakes and you know global natural disasters that just occurred but like that can be a massive you know thing that can just happen you know you can be releasing Mm. a game 
about like you know hurricane storm hunters four and then like you know there's a huge hurricane just like lots of people die and you're just like ah well you know what we can't release this now and like just again like that's a really intriguing part of i guess just like why the media release history that sort, of, that sort of really intrigued me recently but like honestly mm. that can happen and it's a wild thing when it does yeah well think think about it you've you're you're, you're british uh remember when the the nintendo <laughs> direct with uh, tears of the kingdom didn't like uh, aired the, the the tears of the kingdom oh, yeah. release date like all countries had the the trailer in the nintendo direct streaming but not the English version because the game, the, the the Queen of England just died, and um, the game was called Tears of the Kingdom. So they were like, "We're gonna oh. postpone a little bit, at least for this country. Like, be you know, careful about this." That was yeah, uh, just like basically, yeah. Wow. Like, um, I guess just like one of the interesting things about that, like contrary to like some of the claims like circulating online yeah nintendo did not display a message on its uk devices saying their consoles would be like unavailable for like a royal period of mourning but like that was like a widely shared like but that was that was part of like a widely shared like meme basically of people mm. just like talking about you know like people can't use like certain like nintendo like devices after like this period of mourning but like that was still a thing which happened in terms of like the um what so what you mentioned is a thing that happened though like yeah like the queen's passing for example is a great and perfect example of that like when a country i guess is going through I guess just like a wider event that can definitely change the way in which the media is, I guess, just shown and also, I guess, just released throughout it. Yeah, it's a, it's a really interesting part of the, I guess, just the release date, the release window, I guess, just a part of releasing something as a whole. Yeah, really interesting. Mm. Just, just make sure when you're making the game, just make sure that a monarch doesn't die, I guess. Just don't try, try to <laughs> That, that should be that. on the la- on the launch checklists. Yeah, just on, on the on list. There. Honestly, like okay. you, you, you're gonna want to talk to your producer about that. Probably just probably just like don't press like monarch die button. Just don't code that in. Probably just don't run that one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, re- oh, real quick while we're, um, I had one more uh, indie that I, I actually thought was uh, I wanted to call out, and because they've been around for a while, but they showed up at Gamescom, um, which was Frost Giant Studios. You're all familiar with them. Um, they're uh, I don't so they are working on a game called Stormgate. Uh, so Frost Giant is, and I'm not making this up, is basically the StarCraft II team. Like, production director, designer, lead server <gasps> engineer. Like, I, if you, Yes, and, yes, yes. Um, and so if you like real-time strategy games and you were, like, wishing that Blizzard was going to make a, a new StarCraft or WarCraft, uh, they're probably not going to, first of all. Uh, and second of all, all of the people that worked at Blizzard that would have made that game are Frost Giant Studios. <laughs> and so they, they did a, a, a new reveal trailer of gameplay and other cool like behind-the-scenes stuff at Gamescom for Stormgate, which is their RTS. So anyway, I just wanted to mention it for people because it's been in development actually for a while. Uh, and I, ha- I wasn't sure what was going on with it, but yeah. like I said, then I saw it show up at, at Gamescom. And, I was, and uh, I'm actually like pretty ready for it to come out, but uh, I don't know how far along they are. But I know it's kind of like a... <laughs> If you if you like real time strategy games, uh, oh, I'm mean, also like to be fair, Age of Empires four was um, mentioned at Gamescom, but I feel like Age of Empires has really mm. kind of gone away from their roots. And so, if you want that kind of macro management real time strategy game, it's it's not an itch that gets scratched very often because AAA doesn't really think it's worth doing anymore. Uh, and it takes us back to like why we need indie developers to to to. to to, to further, uh, I mean, actually, if you actually, to be, you know, to, to go off a small tangent, I actually think that 
that's where Larian started off, like with Divinity. Um, yeah, basically, yeah. like um, w one of those studios that started off at, is Kickstarter. I also wanted to mention on that super side note that there's another game coming out called Towerborn that's from uh, the company uh, Stoic that did oh, yeah. Banner Saga. Another studio that basically is ex-game developers that got their start by kickstarting their projects mm -hmm. um, and now have enough money to make like the yeah. a, a real game they want to make. Uh, so, But anyway, I just mm -hmm. wanted to mention that I, I do feel like there's a lot of indie developers that it isn't just like about budgets and whatever it's like they're trying to carry the mantle of genres the triple yeah. studios just won't the, invest in yeah the, the thing that's very interesting you mentioned lion lion is actually a very old studio they started in the 90s and uh, they were very uh, like the divinity series probably people know divinity original sin but the divinity series started i think in the late 90s and uh, it, it was very very special but the the sh long story short, they they are Be they are Belgian, so they are from Belgium, and um, they are the director of the studio uh, Sven Winkel, Sven Winkel, I think its name is, is basically the founder of the studio, but also the director of the game and the main um, owner with his wife of the studio. <laughs> so basically, he has like the wall the the all. He has the whole thing, director, CEO, and uh, the, he gets the cash, basically. And what's very, very funny is that this guy was always super fan of the Ultima games. And where they were, they were young, a young studio, they were super fan of Baldur's Gate. They wanted to make a mix of Baldur's Gate and Diablo. And that's, what Divinity came, uh, that's why Divinity came out. But they kept getting screwed by shady editors and publishers during the early 2000s. Mm -hmm. And, um, and uh, they did a lot of different games, like the first Divinity, so mixed between Diablo and Baldur's Gate. The second one was like very special because it, it always, the, the studios always had this kind of cranky humor. Like, for example, the, um, I think it's the second game you play the main character of the first one, but you are chained with the villain that you defeated in the first one. Like you have a vi like you have a, a physical chain between the two characters and they can't bear each other, you know? And that's the, the kind I'm, of strange I'm, things I, they're doing. I, like. I, will, I will say I'm super amused by that concept. <laughs> yeah. I have no idea what it looks yeah. like, but I love, the, I love the spirit of that. They, they, that's they also a thing like too, in terms of, um, oh, well. So, so that's a thing about about them. They always were very, very specific. Like they also did the games like Ego Draconis. I don't remember if 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 you remember those games. It was an Xbox 360 game where you were. It was real time strategy, and also at the same time you were playing a dragon and burning everyone uh, at the same time. And and so you know, it's not like that. It came like. The, the the director of the studios Van Winkel, he always wanted to do this kind of games, and so when you see it, you're like, yeah, Baldur's Gate, huge IP, like obviously, and uh, the Dungeons and Dragons is very popular uh, today with the movie and uh, the game and people streaming D and D uh, games and stuff like that, and suddenly they are like at the top of the world, but there's like 25 years of very sometimes very hard moments before becoming the the, the kings of uh, indie triple uh, a rpg i would say so that's very very specific but like you said 
the only reason we have a Baldur's Gate that looks like Baldur's Gate is because there's a guy who's very fan of Baldur's Gate and Ultima and all those games. And he's like, I'm going to make this game. I'm going to put I, 500 I, people on this game just for me because I want to play it. You know? that, the thing <laughs> you're mentioning also reminds me of like, uh, what if you ever like look into bands that you like or, or you found a band that you're like, uh, it's always stuck with me for some reason. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a fan of bands like uh, Goo Goo Dolls and whatnot. <clears throat> so I found out that, like, for instance, Goo Goo Dolls, pretty well known, not big that not that big anymore, but like, uh, they they have like hits like Black Balloon, whatever. They were together for ten years before with no hits before that came out. And one thing that for some reason always stuck with me is uh, when the song Mr. Brightside came out uh, with the Killers, they were. Uh, interviewing the band and someone awarded them best new bands and they were like how do you feel about getting best new bands and they were like we've been a band for 10 years <laughs> like just because <laughs> just because you just discovered us <laughs> doesn't mean that you know so i think it highlights your point that like sometimes it seems like these studios or people just kind of stumble into like immediate success but really it takes a lot of passion and work doing a thing that you care about <laughs> and then all of a sudden it looks like overnight success <laughs> yeah. i was just about to say that the idea of the of the overnight success can be a very like toxic thing to hold within yourself because honestly like that's what we were saying before like that's why we love this podcast that's why we love what we do these are crafts that we cultivate you know it's why we take the time to practice mm. to get better but also like to learn and expand upon the skills which we grow every day. Like it's not like you just you don't just wake up and you're like, you know what, I'm just I'm just a big success now in whatever industry or in whatever skill set that I want. It's like, yeah, it takes a lot of time. We all start off as babies, we all start off as children, and then we take time and we work and we learn and we have experiences. And like I just think it's really um it's really cool of them to like have said that as well. But I just wanted to show on the end of this that um just speaking about the sort of evil within me like idea in terms of like having like a, a demon like within yourself or like a sort of a, a problem within oneself. Like one of the most popular manga and like anime series right now, Jujutsu Kaisen, like it's exactly yeah. based upon this initial idea. Like the core concept is that um yeah, this high school student Yuji Itadori, he has like a secret he joins a secret organization of like jujutsu like sorcerers to eliminate this powerful like curse called Sakuna. And then like basically like that curse, like this this powerful, I guess evil being, it like becomes something that can go inside of Yuji. So like the whole story in essence it, it goes forward from like these moments on with one character housing both the protagonist and the antagonist at the same time. And like that's a really cool idea but it's just again it's been so popular for like I guess the past 5 10ish years and it's just it's a really cool thing to see once again. Yeah. Yep. I've just I just uh watched the whole thing and now I'm waiting for the next episodes. I'm very yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, and any other game, Richmond? Like we can go for, uh, I can go for hours on this. I can. <laughs> <laughs> Great subject. Run me some more games, brother. Run it. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I got. Um, <clears throat> so uh, one of the games that I actually uh, made sure to play. Uh, you know, th this was a game I specifically sought out. Is a game from uh, D Pad Studios. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. the, the, the studio behind uh, Owlboy. Um, and that game is called Savant Ascent Remix. Uh, yes! Oh my yes. god! Ah, D-Pad Studio. Ah, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm a big so good. Studio fan. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry. I have to just get this out yeah. right now. They're killing it. They're the best. I'm, I'm just... Uh, all right, sorry. Uh, they're, they're, they're amazing. So, um, th this was a game where I was like, once... I, I saw it on Twitter. I was like, oh, okay, they're there. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find it. And of course, like... 
trying to find like a single booth had like hundreds on that giant floor was crazy because i actually ended up walking past it multiple times but it was just there was like so much stuff i i I, it was hard to make out but when i finally found it um they had the switch version up and uh you know i mean you guys are familiar with 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 uh d-pad with simon anderson's amazing sprite art i i think he's just one of the best sprite artists ever I, I would do not it. just today, like, do like it. just ever. I, I like, do like, it. He's digested like the whole history of the medium. Cool. Like that dude's amazing, and um, th- this game is uh, you know it's 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 his latest game. Um, it's actually a remix. It's a remake of an earlier uh, game uh, that that he made way back in the day, and he's done it up properly with new graphics. Every everything's been redone from the ground up. Uh, pretty simple gameplay premise. Like you are. Uh, this like crazy alchemist dude, like with yes. the, the old timey medicine man mask. His characters are awesome, and um, you you can shoot in three hundred sixty degrees, and you uh, pretty much just teleport between like these two elevators, and you're just like rushing up this tower, and you're just like shooting down enemies from every every direction, and then eventually you fight a boss and. Pretty straightforward gameplay, uh, with a lot of nuance, a lot of strategy to it. But uh, for me, I just got to—it's just beautiful. <laughs> I, His games are just so I, beautiful. I had like look. a realization, yeah. inter, uh, like kind of process I just went through looking at a screenshot of this, where I was like, I was like, oh wow, and then I was like, this is sprite art, and then I was like, I had to like look closer at it, and I was like, oh my god, that's sprite art. What what I'm what, what yeah. madman? <laughs> Has done this. Yeah, the Jurassic Park thing. You, you were so obsessed by the way by doing it that you didn't stop to ask. <laughs> but in this way, it's good actually. <laughs> well, oh, it is good. I, I, I feel it's like um, nowadays, uh, like sometimes uh, a lot of sprite artists now are kind of using the fact that it's sprite art as part of the style, which is is good. Like you, 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 you can see where the pixels are and whatever. And this, like, if you look closely, but this is the one where at first glance, it's so smooth. Like and mm-hmm. and the lines are so clean, you wouldn't think it's sprite art. But then you look closer and you're like, oh, it's super crisp. And why is yeah. that? And then you can start picking up all the detail because it's because it's a sprite. I, um, I've, I, I gotta say, I gotta say, like I'm a pixel artist. I've cared deeply about Sam Anderson's work. Snake Pixel, that is, it's also a moniker that he goes by. One of the little reasons that I got into pixel art was the finding out for me of like what Owl Boy is and like what his work on games like this just is at all. He's a fantastic artist, but I just want to say this is somebody who very specifically and explicitly understands the the wider boundaries of like art as like a medium of communication. So for example, like when he's talking, when he's looking at like different bits and pieces, when he wants to, for example, posit that a surface is wet or if it's like slippery, like yeah, the way in yeah. which he will do this, it's not it's it's not to say that like he has to do things like one to one like exact. It's mostly just like his ability to like posit the 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 foundations, the fundamentals of art, understanding like texture, shape, color volume like just all these different things and like to apply that through this medium that's my favorite thing about what it is that he does like he he can he can make something it's it's not about not making it look like pixel art it's about making good pixel art that's what it is for for me that's what it's always been i think that like the ways in which that he's just able to so accurately represent something but in his own very specific way 
it's a bit hard to explain, but like when you're actively mm. like watching him do it, for example, he'll he he streams on Twitch at Snake Pixel, but like he's absolutely amazing when you watch him work on something. When you watch him do lots of digital artwork as well and drawings, like you'll see him just go off in terms of just all of the different skills that she's applying at once, seemingly whilst bopping to some like Mega Man OST, just killing it. Like honestly, like there, there are so many people in the world whose work that I respect massively, but the pairing of like both um, Alexander Vinter, who goes by like Savant, that's a musician, and also like again the wonderful people over at Deepad Studios, but especially, um, especially Simon's art, just like it's a perfect marriage you know it's a perfect marriage of like creativity through sound and creativity throughout like you know visual artistic mediums and i think that like when looking at this savant game and this like next savant game that's like going to be you know coming out properly like it's just so cool to see this is a real thing once again i'm just so happy and hyped to see that this has been you know able to be possible you know they've worked on vikings on trampolines they've worked on Owlboy, like i said before like they've done such cool and beautiful pieces of work and i've always 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 been a big I guess just I, I try not to be like a fan fan of things, but like this is this is one of my ones. You know, it's one of my whole passes. I have to stand you, out because, like, honestly, like you don't have to hold back. Means, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. That's because that, that's the that's the thing. That's the thing. It's like when you're talking about people who are kind of like some of the reason why you do something. That's the, that's that's what it's about. You know, that's that's what it's all for. But um, honestly, people need to know. People need to be checking out Savant, and I'm telling you, man, like it's it's literally going to be. Uh, it's just going to be so cool to see that game back again. I just like, want to make sure to add for anybody that's going to check this out, like make sure you watch video of this. The the game yes. screenshots cannot do this, like what this game looks like justice. Like it looks so amazing in motion. It's ridiculous. Yeah. The screenshots are gorgeous, but in motion, it is something to behold. Like he, I, I, like I said, I think, I think you can see a lot of intricate detail that, that kind of highlights the artistry in screenshots. But once you see it in motion, I think you will understand what, what, AJ is raving about. I think it's you can kind of yeah. see how much creative creative control there is. Um, it's it's insane. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I, yeah. Yes. I, I so I was like raving about the game, uh, um, and then um, the 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 person manning the booth, they were like, "Oh, the developer's here. Do you want to meet him?" And I was like, "Do I?" <laughs> I was like, "Yeah." Do I? Yes, I do. <laughs> Yeah, um, she was super nice. And um, so, uh, you know, he's super busy, right? Like, I mean, uh, he's there representing his company, you know, uh, but but this dude is really passionate. And he was actually really close by because he actually wants to see people playing the games and he wants to meet his fans. And I thought that was super cool. So he actually came out and we talked and I just effused over his game and like, I told I'm a fan. My my team, you know, I'm also a game developer. My team's fans, you know, like my my podcasting friends are fans. <laughs> like we're all fans of your stuff, and um, you know, I talked a bit about how like yeah, I I told him like there's a lot of beautiful art out there. Like you see so much beautiful stuff every day on social media, but when I see even a screenshot from his games, I'm like I need to play that. Like I need to actually get my hands on it. And play it and um yeah he thought I, I guess he was very touched by that like because he, he really related to that that's exactly you know that's the point of his art that's 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 how he wants people to feel and um it was so cool and uh man adam yeah i was i was i, I couldn't wait to 
I, I just posted a, 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 a photo I took. I'm, I'm not going to share this publicly. Uh, this is just something to share with friends. Um, yeah, I actually got to meet him. And uh, when I told him, like, oh, I make games, he totally did not have to say this. He was like, oh, like, let me see your game. I was like, what? Really? Because, <laughs> you know, like, he's so busy, right? And, I mean, he's Absolutely. a pretty famous game developer, mm. and he's getting interviewed by the press, and he's, you know, like... Like he's, he's, he's super busy, but he, he took half an hour to actually go away from his own booth. And he let me show him, uh, the game that we're making a bit of, I showed him lost and found co, which is our, our hidden object game. And dude, like he actually liked it, which was so encouraging. Um, like, and it wasn't just like generic, like, oh yeah, that's nice. It was like, he really like played it. And he even, he said he liked the chunky graphics and I was like, yes. Yes, chunky. That is like exactly the the feeling we're going for. You know, that's that's the appeal of it, and he could relate to that as a sprite artist, right? And you know, like we wanted the game to have that sort of hmm. like, right? It's it's not about like nostalgia. It's not about like, oh, I, I'm just doing this because that's how they used to do it. It's like, no, there's a chunkiness to sprite art that's really appealing. That's what we were trying to do with our game, and then for him, it's like, like you can't even see the pixels in Savant. Yeah, ascent, right? Unless you look closely, but it's just they're there, and it's pixel perfect, right? That's the the whole appeal of of pixel art but, is that but, every dot is for him, yeah. Exactly. yeah, yeah, yeah. But for him, it was Tuesday, yeah. like so it, it, <laughs> that's yes, but you know what the funniest thing about all this is? Oh, it's man. like, this applies to, like, everybody. Like, it's the way in which, like, mm -hmm. these skills, amazing as they are, like, are cultivated. These are hard-crafted, yes. well-honed abilities that come through years, decades of, like, hard work and planning and time and failure and upset and emotional, you know, change. And I just think that, like, this is a lot of what it is that we were just talking about before with respect to, I guess, like smaller development teams and stuff. But I mean, like the work that you want to make, it takes time. It takes time to get good. Like I was just again speaking yeah. to uh, Simon Maloney, just again, one of the exec producers of like a sister, like uh, they're a big media company in Manchester who make awesome stuff. But like he said that one of his friends told him that like, quote unquote, it's damn hard to make something good. And just like the simplicity of that statement in and of itself reminds me of like my own life, of everyone's own life. You hearing this right now, listener, will know exactly what that means. Because like you will have gone through something that will prove to you that it's damn hard to make something good. Like it really takes a lot of time, effort and, you know, pain in many ways. Like you shouldn't have to all the time, but it can. It can take a lot of different things away from us, but also... It can reward us with so much that, you know, exists beyond our wildest dreams in a sense. Like the work and effort that we put into something, it can it can explode outwards in, in the most beautiful of ways. And I think that like this artistry that's come just from Simon for so long, it's just it's just been on another level through that hard work. And again, like this is why I love it's why I love showing people Pixel Up, it's why I love showing people his work as well. Just because again, like it's not only that just like people are like, oh whoa, like I didn't even know it was Pixel Up, but like when I show them like what that like is, what this medium is and what some people can do with it specifically that's why it is that i feel that people are so impressed and that's what always sort of just like moves me to not even the fact that like some people can be impressed it's more so the fact that like someone can do something so amazing anyway 
Like, I am sure that, like, if everybody in the world said, you know what, we're going to move off Pixel Art completely. I don't care about it anymore. No one's doing it anymore. I know for a fact that Simon would probably be there in his room still just doing whatever and just banging out pieces that are still sick because he can. Like, that's the thing that is the most impressive yeah. thing to me. It's that, like, it's that someone has gotten there just because it's the person who's been, you know, scaling the mountain, working at it every day. But like, there's no one there to take pictures. There's no one there to do all that stuff, the whole journey, but like they've made the steps, they've taken the climb, they've prepared and they've fallen, but they've gone back up and done so again. And I think, especially if you know about the history of our boys development as well, especially that's even more oh, of, man, a, yeah. of a poignant you know, statement because like that game, that the, the development of that game, was an arduous process, it, it, it would seem. And I think that the emotional involvement within the creation of that game too, massively important part of why the game is what it is and how it was made. I would absolutely implore everyone listening to, um, I think there's a wonderful GDC talk about this exact topic. Uh, the name exactly escapes me, but I think it's a uh, 10 years in development, Owlboy or Owlboy's development or a decade of development, Owlboy. Basically, just type in the name Owl, O-W-L, Boy, B-O-Y, G-D-C, Talk, Simon. Just like type in those words on YouTube and you'll find what I'm talking about. But there's a beautiful talk that Simon gives about the facilitation of like the game's creation and what it means to him, but the time that it takes to create a project like that. And it's just amazing. So go listen after this, of course. Yeah. It's oh, called uh, Owl oh, Boy, the evolving art yeah. of a 10, 10-year project. Oh, one. Oh, I, I one went more to... time, Richard. Oh, I, I don't know if uh, we can segue. There was another developer slash like oh, sorry publisher that I want to talk about it, and uh, it's something you said reminded me, Richmond. So, uh, do we yeah, want to go, go to that, or, or Thomas, did you have something to say? No, no, I just wanted to say like uh, AJ was just saying like uh, it's like when you ask how to get good at drawing, and the answer is just you draw, and you're like no, <laughs> <laughs> and that's it. Uh, uh, to, to the point you're saying, Thomas, actually, I do a, a as I mentioned before, I do a lot of mentoring with designers, and people are always like, oh, how do I whatever, and I'm just like, you just gotta design stuff, you just, you just gotta do, and they're like, well, how do you good at this thing? It's like you just do a lot of it. Yep. <laughs> it's just like, well, how do I get good at quickly? It's like you don't. You just do a lot of it. <laughs> how do how do you yep. do it quickly? You do a lot of things more more quickly, I guess. But like, yeah, to your point. Yeah. Um. So so actually, uh, one thing I meant, so we actually mentioned uh, Untitled Goose Game before. Um. I don't know if you all know this, but Untitled Goose Game is published by a company called Panic. That actually, among developers, yes. is more well known, at least initially, for uh, a really great like Mac Mac app they used to develop called um, Coda. And then they also, I don't think they yeah. make it anymore, but uh, they also have one called Transmit. And they're well-known in the gaming community for games like Firewatch and Untitled Goose Game. But they just announced two games at Gamescom. Or I don't know if they announced them at Gamescom, but they mentioned them. And they are both super unique looking. One of them is a sprite-based RPG called, a tactical RPG called Arco. And the other one, I think it's a, um, I think it, I think it's, I don't know exactly what it is, but it, it's got a, it's got kind of an Adventure Time vibe, but it also has those chunky characters that that kind of is. It's a bit reminiscent of what um, Lost and Found Co looks like, but it's it's definitely got a. It's it's not quite as cozy, <laughs> but I wanted to mention them because like they're also they're putting out a another one that they have like a um, a kind of a a, a soccer um, visual uh, adventure game, uh, Despelote that takes place in Ecuador. They put so that the games they've been putting out. They're all like super unique, interesting, 
really cool, really like focused, thoughtful mm-hmm. games. And you wouldn't think because like you, most like a lot of people just know them as like a development company, but they well, they have been rocking out with a lot well, of great video games. They are also doing the play date for people who didn't like connect the dots. They're the, they have been like oh, uh, making. Yeah, yeah, they're under, that's them too. Like it's the same people publishing Untitled Goose Game, the play date, and doing uh, most of the some of the most well-known web development app for uh, Mac Mac uh, platforms. Like that's oh, so wow. strange. When I discovered this, I was like, wait, they made they made Coda, they made Transmit, and after that, Untitled Goose Game, Firewatch, and now the play date. <laughs> that's that's so those, funny. Those are some go-getters. Yeah, those, 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 those are. Um, people who like have an idea and they're like okay let's do it <laughs> yes right. oh, that's but, basically but it. before before we stray too far um i just want to mention the the gdc talk that uh, aj mentioned before it's called yeah. owl boy the evolving art of a 10-year project uh, de- definitely uh definitely give that a listen mm-hmm. yeah absolutely it's a banger thanks for that okay. yeah uh, i'm gonna go have to leave you there guys it's waiting for me to have dinner so uh carpaccio is waiting for me and uh, french fries so uh you know i like you but uh, what can i do well how, how can you fight carpaccio and french fries you can't so i'm gonna get I'm, you I'm, I, I was gonna be evening. offended but now i'm not because who <laughs> yeah. could fight that enjoy the yeah yeah that's, sorry. enjoy the, the uh, palm you know, treat you, right yeah, the pommes frites and the, the the stuff like that. But yeah, you know the the French and the food stuff. Um, you know, mm-hmm. you know, you've been to France most you of know you, how it goes, you know. Yeah, as yeah, it goes, yeah. you know. <laughs> anyway, it was, it's <laughs> been right. a pleasure to be with you guys. Uh, we'll I'll see you and uh, for the next. Tell the people uh, where they the can find episode. you real quick. Oh, you can find me on uh, the internet, but I I don't have anything interesting to plug yet. But I think in like two or three weeks, I have something fighting game related that may interest a few people. Maybe not the listeners okay. of Art Eater, but um, like uh, I'm building something with a friend for our own use, for our own community. Mm. And uh, I'm going, I'm currently in the process of polishing it so other people can use it. And uh, once it's done, I'll, I'll share the, the project with you. It's not like Huge. Oh, it's not going. It's going. It's not to change face of the fighting game community or stuff. It's just a thing I built for myself because I was bored with the Excel sheets, basically. So you'll see when it's done. It's not even pretty or interesting okay. to look at. It's just like something. <laughs> okay. It's gonna Bye, be guys. Carpet shows waiting for me, <clears throat> and uh, right. and have a, a more good games. I hope. All right. Thanks. Thanks for joining us, man. Thanks, Thomas. Bon bon appetit. All right. Um, Yeah. Actually, I think I gotta. I think we should wrap stuff up soon. I I gotta get to bed soon. But um, this was super fun. And uh, gosh, I wanted to keep talking. Um, I I actually wanted to tell you guys about. uh, I had this amazing amazing just stumbled across this amazing day and just really lovely people but that's 
Let's maybe I can do like a mini podcast about that later because I gotta <laughs> I could go on for forever about that. Okay, was, okay. Yeah, Gamescom was amazing. It keeps happening. It's been we, super fun talking about. We've got the uh, part two curse again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, well, I'll just say real wait. quick, just okay, two, so two, two other. Oh yeah, I I think I might be on a delay right now. Is it? Can you guys hear me? Yeah, I can hear you fine. Oh, so guys, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we'll have Sean edit the storm and ad. Yeah. Okay. Um, oh yeah, just just I uh, just wanted to drop two two interesting observations about Gamescom um, that I, I just couldn't fit in earlier. Uh, one was that. Um, uh, I thought it was really funny. I had no idea that farming simulator was so big in Europe. <laughs> Do oh, you guys know geez. the farming simulator games? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Euro truck driver is also huge in Europe. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, that that I knew. That I knew. But, yeah, yeah. But this massive, you know, like like American super farm style simulation. I I didn't know. It makes sense. I guess it's more novel over there. But they, um, I posted a picture earlier. They brought in a giant John Deere tractor. <laughs> that's really and that's really cool. I'm a, I'm a big sucker for like giant props at game shows. <laughs> yeah, oh, this was the real thing. And then they were like streaming the game, and there was like a huge crowd, and they were loud. They were like like cheering for 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 the the farm simulator. I thought that was so cool. Like it's because yeah. I didn't know it had such a big following. Um, and then the uh, other one. Oh, good. Oh, oh, sorry. I just wanted to add that. I, I think that's also a, a note for like anybody that I, one thing that I think is great about games nowadays is even games that don't have an, like a multiplayer community, like the internet makes it so that you can find really dedicated communities for most games. Um, yeah. And it's, it's like frankly shocking how much effort some people will put into, um, different games we, we could probably have a whole episode where we talk about like dev and mod communities that are keeping like games that have come out 10 years ago like still alive and well so i don't know it's just like if you're ever playing a game and you're enjoying it and you want to like find people like do a little bit of searching on the internet like reddit whatever you, you will probably find or, or you know poke around on steam communities as well Th there really is like a, a community for basically every game yeah yeah it's it's really great 100%. That's one of the coolest things, honestly. Like, just to sort of, like, I guess, close this out. I've just been so... Uh, I was just talking with my friends about this. Like, I'm so happy to have, like, been just born at this specific time. Just, like, to be able to have seen, oh. I guess, just, like, some areas of, like, early indie development. To be in this kind of, like, I guess, tipping point with respect to sort of, like, having some of the old, quote-unquote, old world before social media. And then just, like you know, growing up in teen years, kind of like with it in a way, growing up with a Tumblr or YouTube or Instagram and like Facebook, but like seeing them kind of like grow. Obviously some parts of that have not been cool. I don't, I'm not like a big like stand for like, you know, meta and everything else like that. But like, it's just been a really interesting thing to see, you know, to see like the birth of like, I guess a very important part of your life an important area of industries in your lives that are like, you know, very important. And I think it's just really nice to, just exist at this time period and watch people coming into it now i'm kind of of the 
I guess, age where like there are of course like lots of people like younger than me who are making like really cool stuff. There's people older than me who are making really cool stuff. But like I just feel really real real happy, real comfy, but also at the same time, I feel excited. That's one thing which I really wanted to sort of like pause it. I just feel like more of the world has like opened up over the past two, three years, like I suppose in terms of like what people are doing in games media and what people are trying to do. Again, even speaking about, you know, remote work speaking about the ways in which that we could change like the idea of like the working week watching the way that you know the that there are writer strikes occurring that there have been labor strikes occurring in the in numerous areas of the world with regards to like things like starbucks or with regards to some amazon like workers or with regards to people even again at like facebook and things like that and like i'm just really pleased and honestly kind of like i guess like societally proud i suppose of like just people from all over that are just doing such cool things at the moment and it just feels really good in in many ways to see people banding together and in essence sort of just trying to do good i suppose so yeah just whatever lane you're in keep it clean keep it happy make sure that your lives are good and yeah just be yourself and keep making stuff we'll always be here to support you so yeah let's run that yeah Sorry, Richmond, you had another observation. Yeah. I, I, we went off on a way tangent there. I just wanted to make sure. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, well, no, 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 no. That, that, that is actually of the, that, that, was, that was perfect because, uh, yes. I, okay, quick question for you guys. Guess, guess who had the most popular booth at the whole event with, with hundreds of thousands of people? Guess what company, if by my observation, very unscientific, just me, eyes on the ground, like, Guess I which company I idea. would have guessed from software, but now I'm skeptical that that's right. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like, I'm just gonna say, um, I mean, like, there, there must have been like a really big like Sony booth there, perhaps. Like, there was Sony was there, you know. Yeah, um, like Bandai Namco was there, you know. Yeah, how did? Bro, like everyone, so was, Nintendo, Nintendo was there. That world would have been there. Like Nintendo would have been there. Everyone would have been there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But okay, what what really surprised me was MiHoYo was huge. They had a huge presence there. Oh. So you know the creators of uh, Genshin Impact, Honkai yeah. Impact, uh, the Star Rail. They have Zenless Zone Zero coming out. Um, you know, like if you had told me ten years ago that the the big this gaming event would be in Europe, and then the the most popular company there would be from China. That 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 I would have been shocked, right? But but that's yeah. that's where we are, and and I bring up Mahoyo because now you know they're huge, right? They're one of the biggest companies. You know they make billions, but they started off as three friends, three three students in a dorm room, right? So, and that th- it wasn't that long ago either. Um, they were founded in like. I think, I don't know, 2011 or so. But yeah, Mihoyo, this world-conquering company, um, began with three computer science students uh, working together. They didn't even have an artist at first. <laughs> so, oh, whoa. yeah, I, I feel like that's sort of emblematic of like my whole takeaway from the show is that like it's huge. Games have gotten so big, you know, Every, just the, the expectations are so high, but at the same time, everything starts small, right? Like every, yeah, everything's got to start somewhere. Beginning. So, yep. So if you want to make a game, or or hey, you want to do documentaries, want to start a podcast or whatever, like yeah, do it. Start small. Do your thing. That's. I mean, yeah, everything starts with the first step. It's super cheesy, or like um. 
This has nothing to do with anything, but it reminded me of it, so I'm going to say it anyway. I've been uh, rewatching for like the a millionth time uh, the show uh, West Wing, and there's a there's a thing in West Wing where I forgot exactly what they were talking about, but it reminded me of this phrase where they say, uh, "In the lifetime of everything that worked, there was a time where it didn't work," because he was kind of talking about like, "Hey, why invest in this thing that isn't going well?" And it's like, well, because everything at some point didn't do you know was at that point like everything goes through that that process so it's a good reminder for yourself like yeah everything everything starts with the first step like even your favorite game at some point it didn't exist and then someone was like i'm gonna create this thing on this disc and that was the first time that the game existed so i don't know it's it's meta but i think it helps people sometimes because it gets it, it, it can get really like overwhelming to think about how to make especially with games like starfield and Baldur's gate like impossibly difficult to to comprehend how they built it, but it, I mean, it started mm-hmm. small and then they built that, That's how any, that's how humans do anything impressive. It starts with one step yeah. at a time. And then before you know it, it's incomprehensibly impressive. Hey, and Sean, that there are Sean. people behind these things too. Hold on. Oh, um, uh, uh, how do you eat a whale? <laughs> the same way it's... you eat a car. <laughs> uh. <laughs> The answer is one bite at a time. Yeah, yeah, that's one it. bite at a time. Yeah, <laughs> that's the only way you can do it. Uh, yeah, I had heard that one. Uh, the reason I, I it made me think of the car thing is because there actually is a guy that ate a car, and it was like, well, how did he eat a car? God. It's like, well, one bite at a time. <laughs> okay, that's, that's <laughs> even crazier than eating a whale. Wow. Yeah, no, no, he, I, 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 he, yeah he had to like i think he had to melt down certain things it was like very like um it's very like that ship of theseus type of idea like you know ship of theseus being the concept that if you have a ship and then you replace one part it's still that ship and at some point in the lifetime of that ship it'll have every single part will have been replaced but it's still the same ship so at what point is it no longer that thing and it's the same thing with like eating like eating or getting through something like you're you're not going to be able to tell, uh, or or maybe more aspirationally, it's like falling in love. There's really no point that you're capable of being like, I fell in love with this thing right? or this person. Right? Falling in love is like eating a car. <laughs> uh, yes, that will be the title of this podcast. Uh, I was gonna say, yeah, this is why I keep saying like we should just give these titles to Sean to make. He just he's just he bangs them out. Maybe, like, maybe I just don't know anyone else who's like this. Like, <laughs> like no one's built like Sean. Like we're just not. Like, maybe it's Sean more more, really. more poetic to, to say uh, uh, falling in love is like eating a whale, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> right, and with that, everybody, please don't do right. not eat a whale nor a car. Try not to do either of those things. But I'm going to hand this over to Richmond for our final yes wrap up closer. But it's been oh, a pleasure to be back, and we'll all see you all soon. So, Richmond, without further ado, run it, man. All right, dudes. It is uh, really a pleasure to be back. So good to be recording again. Um, yeah, uh, th- th- this was a really fun one, as always. Um, and so, to our listeners, thank you. Thank you for making it all the way to the end. I, I'm, I'm giving you some applause. You don't have to applause yourself. I'm doing it for you. Um, so thanks for listening. Thanks for uh, hanging out with us. Um, if you enjoyed the podcast and you want to listen to more of them, you can head over to our website. That's uh, arteater.com. That's A-R-T-E-A-T-E-R.com. Uh, click on the podcast section, and every single podcast we've ever recorded is on there. Uh, while you're there, you can also you know check out some of our written articles, too. So we do a lot of uh, writing. Well, <laughs> not as much as I should. Um, yeah. And then if uh, if you uh, you know want to follow 
uh, me on Twitter. Um, you can follow me at Richmond Lee. That's R-I-C-H-M-O-N-D underscore L-E-E. I'm, I'm always on there. I'm always happy to chat. Um, and of course, if you are enjoying the podcast, you want to know when the latest ones go out or you want to just let us know how we're doing or even suggest you know games we should talk about or stuff we should look at, movies, comics, anything, anything goes. Um, give us a follow there at uh, Art Eater Podcast, A-R-T-E-A-T-E-R Podcast. Uh, no, no dash there. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, that's how you can stay on top of things. Um, and then, oh, also, um, you know, I'm, I'm a game developer. I run a studio called Bidag. Uh, we're making two games right now. So, um, yeah, I'd really appreciate it if you check them out. One of them is called Zeka Tactics, turn-based strategy game. Uh, very uh, mecha anime inspired, got really cool cell shaded graphics. Uh, we don't have a demo at yet. We're still hard at work on the uh, vertical slice, but you can uh, check for updates. Check in on the development on Twitter at Zeka Tactics. That's at Z E C H A uh, Tactics. Um, and the other game we're making is called uh, Lost and Found Co. Uh, that one's on Steam. So you can actually go and wishlist it and check out the demo. It's a really lovely game. It's a hidden object game, um, but it's 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 like you know the Where's Waldo or Where's Wally in Europe. It's like those books. They call them Wimmel books um, uh, in 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 the Nordic regions, and um, it's just you know it's not just like a, a static picture. It's you go and visit these towns, and they're full of like dozens hundreds of characters and they're all animating and full of life and every single thing you could click on it and get a really delightful reaction and just everything is so chunky and beautiful i i'm so proud of the team making it i i'm actually not uh, working on the game directly it's it's very locally driven um the our our, our team's doing a, an amazing job um so go on steam and look for lost and found co co uh, lost and found co and uh, check out the demo let us know how you like it um yeah and uh sean uh let let everyone know what you're up to and how uh, they can follow along cool hey all i'm sean uh, usually here, I'm at the podcast. Um, nowadays, you can find me on uh, Twitter at Daborsk, D-A-B-O-R-S-K. Um, uh, during the day, I, I lead the design teams at NZXT. We're a PC gaming uh, hardware like, manufacturer, so we make cases, coolers, power supplies. Uh, but also now mice, keyboards, headsets, uh, microphones. You can also buy PCs from us. This isn't really an advertisement. It's just what I do all day, and I spend a lot of time. So if you follow me on Twitter... Half of my feed will be PC gaming stuff, but I also put um, adorable giant bunnies and cats. Uh, also talk about design and whatnot. Um, so uh, from the design perspective, I've been doing a lot of mentoring. Uh, so that's kind of my main push. You can book a session with me totally free uh, at adplist.org. Um, and like I said, it's a, it's a video call. Uh, the ADP list software will kind of find a, an, a, an area of my calendar and help you book it. And it can be anything from, I talk to a lot of people about portfolio review or um, prep for interviews, but also some people just ask me about the game industry or about experience or uh, honestly, even some, even if you're just having a hard time and you want someone to talk to, I've had some people that are just struggling at work and half the time it's just, they want to be able to see if they're crazy or they want to see, uh, how to deal with something or they want like an outside perspective. So all those things are totally valid. Uh, tons of great like product design 
uh, engineering people on adplist.org. Uh, they also have a thing called uh, be, the Be More Conference coming up. So they do a ton of other educational material and whatnot. So uh, check me out there. And then the last thing I'll, I'll say, as I'll start mentioning, uh, um, a lot of what I've been doing um, is I've been working on a book for a while. I'm still working on it, but the, the plan uh, is trying to get it out this year by about uh, October, November. So um, that's kind of in my theme of doing a lot more like education. So uh, yeah, if you follow me, you will hear about uh, the book. Uh, I'm trying to ramp up with the publisher. I will soon be doing like giveaways and other types of things for, for the book. It's about mobile design, more like philosophy and stuff like that. So um, we'll be talking about that more, but uh, yeah, on to AJ, go. <laughs> okay wow <laughs> honestly like again short spiel but like i've just been so happy recently with like trying to make and create things i've just been super pleased with the way that like i guess life has been going for a minute i've just been working again just like in uh item like production but also with this like production company who are full of amazing amazing people and like i just want to give like a quick like shout out to like a bunch of people who've been like on my teams and also people who have just been working with as of lately so i'm just going to do that super super briefly hope everybody doesn't mind but massive shout out very briefly to leonie green alexandra borg hannah molding harrison will ben martin john mckenda nathan parkinson amina rafi adam millership alexine puglisi alice parkin calm stamp kyle lewis Harewood. Uh, Dylan Gohill, Alyssa Garcia, Farhan Ali, Awa Yasmin, uh, Kuda Mutasa, like Leona Gasper, Mariam Sophie, Quincy Blake, Rueda Pathan, Sean Gorman, and Sonia Nyathi. Like, literally, everybody has been so lovely and I had such a wonderful time working with you all. Can't wait to see you again. Now, off to my actual and normal sign off so uh sub everybody it's adam i also go by aj on twitter it's your favorite game level designer pixel artist international taekwondo fighter and now budding editor producer and content creator what's up everybody it was great to be back here with the crew i love to share and retweet all kinds of cool art and creative projects that i see if anyone wants slash needs any pixel art related work or any help i'm active at the moment on a bunch of new things but especially that so follow me over there at at aj mattis that's a-j-m-a-t-t-i-s on twitter but yeah if you liked anything that I said, uh, anything that I said this time around, uh, please feel free to drop me a follow. And yeah, everybody, just stay safe, take care, and I will see you all next time. Thanks so much for listening. We love you lots over here at the IEO Podcast. Thanks again for your time and peace. Goodbye. Have a nice day, all right? Or night. <laughs> Later. Have a good one. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>